This is Jesse Quill, and welcome to the Stream Coach Podcast, the show that helps you step up your game as a professional live streamer. And now here's your host. She once brewed her own kombucha, but threw it away because it looked gross. Ashney Christ! Hi, streamers, and welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. We're all about helping you pursue your dreams and learn to stream, and we are very happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for spending your valuable, valuable time here with me. If you've never been on this podcast before, you've never tuned in before, we're all about covering topics like entertaining your chat, how to be a better streamer, how to get better with your social media, how to grow a community, how to really foster a community environment. And the way that we do this is with solo episodes with myself. So I've actually been around on Twitch since 2013. I went full time. I've had a lot of experiences in this space and I've been spending about the last three years learning as much as I possibly can about how to grow um, and really just how deep this entire industry goes. And my friends, it goes very, very deep as well as, okay, not just these solo episodes, but we also interview Twitch partners and industry professionals. And those interviews are some of my favorite, favorite episodes because we get to talk to someone who has seen a lot of success in the industry and has a lot of experience. And they usually give us some amazing, insightful information to really chew on and bring back to our own communities to make them better. And today's episode is no different. We're actually going to be talking to Zachary Diaz, who is a Twitch partner manager as well as in content acquisition. He actually works for Twitch. So he gives us a lot of really good advice about the partnership process. Like, what does the partnership process look like for Twitch? What does uh, someone need to do if they want to apply for partnership? This is going to be an amazing, amazing episode that I think a lot of people are going to be tuning in for for a long time to come. It was really that valuable. So I'm really excited to get into this. Real quick, I just want to thank our newest patrons who were. Megaron, Zina Cruz, and Chitakusan. Thank you all so much. And to all new and existing patrons for helping keep the show going uh, and just helping us on our path to total domination. Not really, just to helping people pursue their dreams of streaming and helping them go after this thing in their life that they want. So thank you guys so much. I'm not going to take any more time from you today. Let's just seriously jump into this episode with Zach. This is so good. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Stream Coach Podcast. I'm so happy to have all of you here joining us today. I have Zachary Diaz with me, who is the Partnerships Manager and works with Content Acquisition at Twitch. How's it going, Zach? I'm doing very well. A happy uh, Independence Day to anyone who's listening uh, to this. Happy Fourth of July. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm actually honored and excited to be here. Aw, I'm very excited to have you. This is going to be awesome. So let's jump right into it and just talk about you a little bit. For those of us who don't fully understand the actual industry terminology about what you do, what is partnerships management and content acquisition? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good question. So um, first off, I think partnerships management is just sort of the idea that um, partnerships at Twitch are particularly interesting because we partner with content creators. Um, you know, in a lot of businesses, you'll have corporate partnerships or alliances. Um, so partnership at Twitch is different, as most of your audience knows. Um, but it's also just because I've been there a while. So I've been at Twitch for three years and. 
have actually sort of gained some seniority, uh, which is a good thing. I've uh, been, been in the industry to, to understand how some things work, not all of them. Um, and uh, what content acquisition means is arguably um, trying to figure out how Twitch uh, in this platform, uh, in this content you know, world that is run by like dozens of different platforms, um, hundreds of different regions and countries, um, how we continue to grow. And for content acquisition in particular, um, you know, there's there's a team uh, at Twitch that's dedicated to growing our uh, what we what I would consider homegrown partners. So that's people who you know start streaming on Twitch. That's sort of where they kick off their content creation um, from. You know, they're they're homegrown. They're playing video games. They're streaming on Twitch. Um, content acquisition is particularly tasked with trying to find creators who have homes on other platforms and have large audiences there uh, and would like to or we think would be good for Twitch. Um, and so for some folks that can be, you know, hey, you uh, create non-gaming content elsewhere and you're thinking about breaking into the gaming sphere. Um, how do we sort of acquire you as a content creator? How do we bring you on board? Make sure that you're set up for success. Um, but as, as everyone has seen for the past two years, uh, the non-gaming side of Twitch has been expanding extremely rapidly. Um, and we had just talked about one sort of source of that, which is podcasts. Um, it can be a lot of creative content. Uh, it can be this sort of IRL content that we're seeing pop up with people traveling the world. Um, how do we make sure that those feel fostered and developed in a really uh, authentic way? Um, because I think something that Twitch has done uh, very well since the start is treating the gaming community with a lot of care in how it is being developed and uh, sort of nurtured. And I would hope that we can continue to do that with every other non-gaming content category that we sort of select and grow um, and hope to see on the platform. I hope that was illuminating at least. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it definitely speaks, I think, to your passion for Twitch and for the gaming community in general and how passionate not only you, but Twitch in general is about the gaming community and other communities. Like, it's not just about gaming in this space anymore. So I think that that was perfect. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that content acquisition process looks like? Like, how do you find these people? What happens when you reach out? Yeah. It's um, it is a like most things in this world. It's a it's a two way street. Um, so the the first way is that you know people approach Twitch uh, content creators and production companies, management companies will approach Twitch all the time um, and say, hey, you know we have a, a YouTube channel that we think would be great for content on Twitch. How do we how do we get set up? Um, so that's what we consider inbound requests. You know there are, there are a lot of people who uh, I'm sure that you guys have been seeing all these different like musicians, um, so Marshmallow or Drake or some like that he's like i want to do this thing on twitch how do i get involved um that's really easy uh it can be fascinating how those connections happen um i'm sure that you can imagine somebody just writes you know like uh like jeff at amazon.com and then they're like i want to stream on twitch and jeff bezos actually gets that email somebody forwards it over and we figure out how to handle it appropriately um those inbound requests come to our sales teams our marketing teams and they sort of filter down to us um but what is more of my day to day is the sort of outbound request um and that means that you know it's it's trying to both uh, identify content creators and content categories that we think are um, large enough as a market opportunity but also you know going to be successful on twitch um, and I think uh, we'll probably drill into what that means, you know, later on in this episode. But mm -hmm. uh, we don't just sort of randomly pick big content creators. We want to have a philosophy and want to have a strategy about how we approach it. Uh, and that basically can mean 
you know, hey, that we've identified that creative is doing really well. We're seeing a lot of people interested in doing, you know, this sort of uh, cooking content on Twitch. We're seeing um, an interesting opportunity with uh, the space and sponsorships and marketing. Can we get more food creators on the platform? So mm-hmm. um, a really, at least uh, popular example of this has been Binging with Babish. Um, he actually has a really awesome YouTube channel that I think y'all, y'all should check out. Um, I would I would sort of say that it is one of the most um visually uh, appealing like content uh, sort of <laughs> uh, categories that I've ever seen. He just shoots really high quality and he's like a film editor. Um, and he wanted to do Twitch. He wanted to figure out how live works. So we worked with him. Um, we reached out, we got something set up and tried to you know teach him about live streaming. Uh, because as anyone knows, it can be so different than shooting and filming for, uh, you know, four, eight hours a day and then editing it down into some content. So uh, inbound and outbound. I have so many questions from that already. I'm like, how do I pick one? Because there's so much good. Okay. So first, can you tell us any categories that you think have seen solid growth recently that we might not know of or expect? Have you seen any, any positions for opportunities for smaller or newer creators? Ooh, that's a really good question. So, um, the the we we definitely have identified a couple of categories that are super successful, um, and I think that there's two different ways to think about it. One is uh, what is you know ideally fandom on Twitch because Twitch is a place where you can share your passions no matter what it is. Um, it obviously started with gaming, but that has progressed into so much more than that. So when we're identifying, um, I think something that maybe a lot of people are uh, seeing right now is actually wrestling. Um, it's been extremely successful on Twitch. Um, and I don't expect that everyone is like shooting, you know, wrestling content in their backyard, uh, but you could have a talk show about wrestling or you could be you know, talking about this week's matches that you saw on the WWE or whatever. Um, you know, you want to have a, a weekly show about that. Wrestling is a really tight-knit community. There's such a diverse range of content, whether you're talking about, um, you know, uh, wrestling in Mexico and the luchadors, or you're talking about Japan. Um, I think CEO just had some crazy wrestling event where it was fighting games crossed over with wrestling. Um, and then another, uh, so that's like one, you know, sort of place where we're finding passion. Um, and that can be, you can swap that in with I, I arguably like any number of content categories that could be automotive, right? People love their cars uh, and trying to figure out how do you talk about cars live on Twitch is really interesting. Um, we, have an, uh, we have a couple of creators that are coming over, testing it out, trying to figure out what their audiences want in live content versus post-produced content. Because obviously, like, you know, you can go search out a, a hundred different channels on YouTube or on Facebook, wherever it might be, um, that do like really high quality post-produced interviews with designers and engineers um, for you know, a new car that's coming out. But what does it mean when you're doing it live? Um, and then the flip side is going to be uh, how does um, how does somebody who wants to come to Twitch but can do this sort of live and long form content um, really want to work on Twitch? Because that's where we say we don't even know um, all the content co- categories that will work on Twitch. Um, I think a, a really popular example is the sort of uh, beauty space. Uh, in that we have a lot of creators who are homegrown who have expanded into doing um, like body paint and now we're, they're doing beauty content on Twitch um, where they're doing like makeup tutorials and sort of um, understanding what that looks like in a live fashion. Um, and there was a there's a really big question that I had, which was, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not a primary consumer of like beauty content uh, anywhere else, but even I would sort of assume that doing that live is probably not the right medium because you want this to be 
picture perfect. You want to make sure that every shot looks exactly how you want it to do or want it to be. And that's probably not fit for live. Um, but how do we get that uh, to work on Twitch? What kind of content is interesting? So when I meet with like a beauty creator who's really popular on YouTube, um, I'm always pitching this idea of you guys do like haul videos, right? Um, how does that how does that work? Would you be interested in doing that live? Uh, it's kind of like a developing conversation from there. Um, so those are just like two two examples of places where we think we can either work with the content creator to develop that category and bring one over, um, or we already just see fandoms that are like clearly Twitch adjacent and would be successful. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I love that you're you're really going to these other platforms to try and make this work. I've had a lot of people that have that have talked to me about like wrestling content or making content about cars myself. So for yeah. all of those for all of those of you that have reached out about that get on it because it's obviously Please. important right people and also, are passionate don't, don't about don't stop it. there uh we we constantly get that question of like well what's what's popular on twitch what's working mm-hmm. um or what's upcoming and um I, I will tell you one of the most interesting parts about this is if you'd asked somebody you know maybe seven or eight years ago uh that same question i really doubt any of them would have said gaming and look at where it is today mm-hmm. so just because it's not popular on twitch doesn't mean it's not a good choice um there's actually this huge thing in you know economics and business in general it's the first mover advantage so if you can be the first person to bring automotive content to twitch you will be you know a sort of de facto uh market leader and you can kind of cultivate that community that exists here that exists elsewhere yeah, exactly. I love that. That's huge, huge advice for sure. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned whenever you you reach out to YouTubers, okay, yes. uh, to get them onto Twitch. And you talked about uh, Babish specifically and how you sure. kind of you kind of talked to him about the differences between YouTube content and between Twitch content. So yeah. can can you explain to us what those differences are? Sure. Um, I'll try to do it in the most generic sense possible mm-hmm. and not explicitly to um, to just one content category. Um, but, you know, I think uh, I look at YouTube content in um, uh, or VOD content is what I'll say, because VOD is kind of how we look at it. It doesn't mean it's just YouTube. People do VOD content on Facebook, on Twitch, um, kind of anywhere on Twitter, Instagram now. Um, the idea is that like VOD content is both high, like it tends to be highly produced and short form. Um, and then from there, it is usually like quick edits, uh, and there's a particular style to it um, across at least most of the genres. I know that's very generic, and you can find 100 examples to prove me wrong, but for the most part. Um, so one of the things is a lot of YouTubers kind of look at Twitch, and they think that, oh, I've, I've found success with my content category on my VOD you know, series. Uh, I just got to do that live, and it'll be fine. Um, And that's generally not the case. Um, For gaming, it's obviously a lot easier because um, you can just stream all of your content and then edit it down for your YouTube video. Um, But looking at something that is really highly produced and edited, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of periods in which you're not um, able to interact with the chat. Uh, you can't focus on the things that are really important, like calling out people who are supporting your channel, subscribers, people who are cheering with bits, you know, uh, even doing follower notifications. Um, so when, when I'm talking with somebody like uh, Benjamin Babish and we try and pitch, um, you know, hey, come to your content on Twitch. We, we, there are three main sort of focus points of it has to be interesting to you live. Um, if you don't think your content is going to work live, that's, you know, Twitch is probably not the right place for this content. Uh, it should be long form. So, you know, I'm, I'm really curious as to where everyone else feels about this. But I would say that a stream uh, length of less than two hours is probably not going to be successful on Twitch. 
Um, once again, you can pr probably find a dozen different examples that'll prove me wrong. Uh, but even for something like a podcast that's really highly produced, it's got a guest. Um, you know, you need 15 minute intro, 15 minute outro, and like 90 minutes of content. Um, that's two hours, and that's still kind of cutting it close for like a weekly show. Um, and then from there is it has to be interactive and engaging. Uh, and that just means that you can't treat it like a um, set and forget content uh, category. Uh, I think that anyone who wants to be successful on Twitch has some form of engagement with chat and with their community. Um, and once again, if your content category is you doing extreme you know, tricks and things off of your bike, uh, that's fine, but you have to build into that content um, some way to interact with the chat and with the community. Um, thank people for supporting you. So those kind of things can be so different from VOD content and from edited content that it's really hard for some people to both change that, but also if you already have a successful content production pipeline, how do you find you know, four, eight, 10 hours in a day, a week, um, to add this in. So it's a, it's a lot of trying to figure out what makes sense. Um, how much are you going to invest in Twitch? How much of that can be double dipped into content for YouTube? All of that stuff. It's, it's, it like kind of opens up a hundred different branches on this tree of content production. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many possibilities, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's, what's so exciting about content creation is the industry is always developing. It's always evolving. It's always yes. becoming different and we're pulling more and more people into the space. So I think that it's super exciting and it just is a testament to how powerful that relationships are right yes. like that that engagement right. factor so how does how do streamers engage their audience what's the best way that you've seen that is a tough question mm -hmm. um not and not not that like there isn't an answer right um, once again, I think it comes down to the community that you have. Um, obviously, there are going to be some folks who are so massive uh, that have such a large community that can be really hard to engage on an individual level. Um, and for you know an obvious concrete example um, that everyone can, can sort of look at right now, it's Ninja, um, just mm -hmm. as a homegrown content creator. He has so many audience members, so many community members, he can't even like uh, audibly thank and interact with every person who subscribes or cheers in his channel. Um, but he's found a way to engage with them. You know, he constantly is engaging with chat. Uh, you don't have to read every message. You don't have to interact and respond to every message. But that way um, of kind of getting like, you know, what are the last 10 messages, the last 20 messages in your chat been about? Is there a common theme? Can you sort of address multiple ones at once? Um, so that's really important. And then I think it's also trying to figure out how does, uh, especially if you're coming from off-platform to Twitch, what is it that your audience really wants from you uh, as a you know sort of interactive uh, content category? So one of the things that we, we often tell people is like, you know, for the most part, if you don't know what you want to do on Twitch yet, um, I, th I think that, like you said, the content is always evolving. So what you come to Twitch with today might be very different in two weeks, let alone two months or two years. Um, but some people literally can just basically be a behind the scenes, ask me anything. And if you can respond and interact and answer questions and, you know, preview uh, upcoming content, that might be more than enough. That might be, you know, what it is that your audience is looking for. Because if you have a dedicated audience that has been watching you for, you know, some of these people have had, you know, VOD channels for five years, eight years, 10 years on YouTube or elsewhere. Um, just the chance to have them like recognize your name and be like, oh, I've seen you comment on my videos. Now I get to chat with you live. That will blow people's minds. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. 
And if you can recreate that and sort of cultivate what I what I think the most important word is like authentic, um, people can easily pick up when it's like produced and uh, inauthentic and sort of um, manipulated. Uh, if you can come over with a really authentic attitude about engaging and sort of interacting with your audience, that's going to be successful. Um, and then there's like the complete opposite side of that, which is how do you sort of engage with the audience and convert them from your platforms, which maybe that's what you were asking. So I apologize if I went down the wrong thread, but oh, converting no. an audience is, is particularly important as well, trying to figure out how do you do that. Um, I think that's a, that's a you know, asterisk that I don't have all the answers to. Um, but how do you, you know, break an audience over from YouTube, from Instagram, from Twitter, from Facebook? Um, they all have their own sort of appropriate methods. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say that if someone is smaller and they struggle with like zero to, to three people and their chat just never moves, what yeah. what kind of advice would you give them to engage and get mm. people talking? Yeah, that's a that's a really good um it's a really good question. So uh if you if you have, you know, not many people in your chat, whether it's zero um, people and there's nobody to chat, or, I mean, everybody's had that experience where they're streaming and they've got 50, 100, you know, multiple hundreds of people in the chat seems slower than, um, than you'd want. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of, the, one of the things that we sort of suggest is you can ask questions of your chat and get a conversation going. Uh, try to find a way to encourage people to uh, communicate with each other as well. Uh, you are not the only one who has like a call and response interaction with your audience. Um, um, there are people like mods uh, who you can sort of designate as, hey, if the chat gets a little bit slower, how can you prompt them to sort of give, uh, uh, you know, an open-ended question to chat, um, ask for people's opinion, um, try and figure out ways to sort of inspire that communication because you almost get to treat it like you're, you know, a late night host. Um, it is as much as it's your responsibility to entertain with the content that you're creating, whether it's gaming, you know, you're cooking, you're dancing, whatever you might be doing. Uh, you also have this duty to be a steward for your chat um, and provide a community that's welcoming to that. And some people are much more comfortable with it being a little bit slower. Uh, they know how to navigate around that. But if you don't, um, literally just come up with a list of like 100 questions. And every time you think it's slowing down a little bit, like throw one of those open ended questions out there to get people's opinion, get them talking, and then you should be the one to sort of like slowly pull that rope in and get them back to, to engaging. That's perfect. I love that so much. It's, I, I really like the, the thought of just writing down a list of questions and like sticking a sticky note on your monitor. And anytime yeah. you're like, cause I've been there, right? Like I've been, we all have at some point, we've all had zero people watching our stuff and we've been contributing and, and nothing's really, yeah, right? Like nothing's really happened and that's normal. And it's something that we all kind of have to get through at our own pace. So one of the best ways is not like, don't, don't get anxiety about it, right? Like don't, don't let it, don't let it get inside your head and freak you out. Instead, have a backup plan. When that does happen, what do I do? Right? Like have a, have a, a course of action for you to take whenever that comes up. So no, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. And I would say that doesn't even just apply to chat that mm -hmm. should apply to, you know, the dozens of different things that can go not perfect in your stream, yeah. uh, whether it's your first time streaming or, you know, you are a veteran, um, technical issues, you might have lag, you might have, you know, all these sorts of things. Just have a, have a backup plan, maybe a second backup plan too, just in case. Um, it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So let's go back a little bit to the, because you mentioned YouTube and I'm, I'm a oh, big yes. believer in how important it is to kind of diversify not only like your 
your content and like income and all of that, of course, but your, your platforms that you exist on. And yes. there's this thing that YouTube implemented recently. Okay. They implemented premieres. Yes. All right. And I'm a little unsure of what the value of a premiere actually is. Um, yeah. I know like it, it came out on Twitch, right? And then we see it over on YouTube. So obviously you guys know that this is valuable for some reason. So what sure. is what is that reason? That's, I mean, uh, so uh, I'm gonna take a, take a bit out of my comfort zone and talk about um, mm -hmm. sort of product development. Uh, so I'm not a product manager, I'm not an engineer by any means, but um, you know, when you're, when you're trying to come up with a, a sort of a new product, it actually typically does not start from saying, I wanna build this thing. It comes from, I wanna solve this problem. Um, and for uh, Twitch, when we decided to, you know, start working on premieres, it was, how do we solve the problem of, not everybody can be live 24 seven or not everybody wants to be live 24 seven. Um, there is a world in which there are lots of Twitch, you know, core Twitch creators who have grown up here, who have developed their entire audience community, but also want to do that VOD content. They want to edit and produce content. Um, how do we give, how do we make Twitch a welcoming platform for that content? But um, not just, you know, basically like we've had uploads for a while. How do we bring a new experience to that? Because what does Twitch do well? Uh, Twitch obviously has live streaming down. We've built up an incredible infrastructure, both technologically and product wise. But it was also we've built a community uh, and, a, and a sense of culture around interactivity. Uh, so Premieres was this, I, I would hope, a good and I, I think it's actually an excellent blend of what Twitch does really well which is that live and interactive uh, portion, but it's also um, coming from a post-produced VOD world. Uh, so it was a mixing of those and it was, it was new. Um, in, at least in that respect, you know, I think that there were people who had done it before on Twitch where they would like go live, you know, throw a VOD into their OBS, premiere something and then talk about it. It just wasn't productized. Um, so I think that's where, you know, we thought, hey, there's an appetite for it. We saw, we've seen some channels actually have uh, uh, like decent success with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the, the issue being that like most people already have developed such strong viewing habits when it's like I go to Twitch for live and I go to YouTube for uploaded videos. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's as much as I would love to say, you know, everybody is obviously doing their best on both platforms at both places to like shift that viewing expectation. Uh, I, I can't tell you the last time that like I flipped my lid and was like, oh, I'm, the way that I use, you know, this platform is going to be inverted just because of a new product. Um, I'm pretty ingrained in my ways and I think most people are. Uh, and that's probably because your creators are incentivized to keep them in those habits. Um, so people will keep going back to YouTube because they know that's what the content is there. Same reason that they keep coming back to Twitch. Um, as far as you know, uh, YouTube creating their premieres product. I mean, I think it's a it's a bit of validation in that, like, hey, that was a good product. Uh, if they're going to be able to to come and say, hey, we want to do that as well, um, and I don't think um, I don't think for a second that you know people are like, oh, flipping the lid and being like, great, you know, YouTube is the only place that we're going to do premieres because there's like both platforms have their inherent um, you know pros and cons. So what is it that you would want to do with a premiere on Twitch? could arguably be different than what you would want to do with a premiere on YouTube, uh, whether that's because the chat functionalities are different, uh, discoverability is different. It can go, you know, both ways. Um, it's not like a one size fits all thing. And I think we're all still like inching forward, collecting that data and trying to figure out the next way to go. 
I love that. So this is a this is a question for for Zach, not yes. not for Zach from Twitch. Okay. Oh, do okay. you okay. do you person. feel like so? This is really interesting. This is something yes. that I've thought about a lot. Do you feel like all of these content creation platforms are kind of all going towards this singularity <laughs> where they're all going to become the same thing? Sure. I. Oh. I don't know how to answer that just because I, uh, like as a, as a consumer, um, because I don't think that any platform is that, I don't want to say ambitious, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know, stupid seems like the wrong word. Like that, that is a, <laughs> that is a mistake. I think if any platform thinks that they can be a one size fits all for every creator, oh, um, Facebook. And that's, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Facebook is trying a lot of things. Um, and I think that they're going to be immensely successful with some of the things that they're trying. Um, they're deal- I, and the, the hard part is that none of the platforms exist in a vacuum. Um, at the same time that Facebook is developing products, they're dealing with, you know, 100 different issues the same way that Twitch is developing products in pla- our platform. We're dealing with lots of other issues, same with YouTube. So it's like, how do we make sure that each, you know, I view Facebook or I view YouTube in a particular light just because of my own personal consumer experience. And that does shape how I use the product. Um, And what that means is that, like, because of uh, we just talked about habits, the way that I use Facebook for consuming content, and I don't just mean video content, but, you know, the feed, um, probably means that I'm not going to sit on Facebook and watch two hours of content. And that's because my normal viewing habits of Facebook are like, I go on, I see if anybody has sent me a notification, am I getting invited to an event? Is there something important? If not, I'm out really quickly. I don't like stay um, versus YouTube. I think everyone has been there where they've gotten caught in the YouTube loop of like, you know, hours and hours of videos that are just being auto recommended to you. Um, that means that your particular viewing habit is going to be probably adjusted depending upon how they tweak our algorithms and every platform has an idea about what their end goal is what is you know the the ultimate success for them um and trust me it's not always dollars there's a lot of different things that platforms value in their audiences and their creators um but if every platform out there just says okay cool we're gonna do everything um i think they would quickly realize uh that it's better to be or it's like probably worse to try and be a jack of all trades master of them um but you have to be good at one thing first so you have to display your competency and build up that trust with the audience so i think every platform has that like i know what i go to snapchat or instagram for versus what i go to youtube for um and why not try and expand that because hey instagram is not a web platform they're trying to figure out how do people consume long form like video content on mobile that's what they're really good at. So what does that look like in 2018? What does that look like in 2020? I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting to see just all of these these new opportunities for content creation from every single platform. Instagram has been killing it lately. I think, I think that they're doing it. a lot of, yeah, a lot of very interesting things. Um, and I think that one of the one of the really great things is that um, not just in in the sense of the platforms, but um, any any product differentiation is you know even if you want to consider it competition, uh, it spurs innovation within the the sort of ecosystem, and that's good for you know consumers, that's good for audiences, that's good for creators because we should be doing what's right for for both of those sides. I love that. And I love too that you you mentioned earlier not every platform is is solely focused on the the financial and like monetary value of 
of what they can receive from their creators. I feel like sure. a, we see a lot of times like, oh, you know, insert platform here. They're just doing this for the money. That's all they care about. But yeah. I mean, with it's <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I can't I can't talk to any specific examples at Twitch mm-hmm. or other platforms. But the idea is like you you can very easily see uh, any platform making very different decisions about how the product is used if the only thing that they cared about is dollars. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is super important is that at the end of the day, it's very expensive to run a platform, like just technologically. Um, I bet people would be kind of astounded if they knew how much it cost YouTube to store, you know, I don't, they do something insane, like five years of video uploaded every like minute or something, right? Right. Yeah. Um, that's insanely expensive to run and to pay all those engineers. Um, but the same thing can be said of Twitch and live video. The same thing can be said of, you know, Facebook and their enormous data stream. So it has to make business sense. Otherwise, guess what? The day that it is no longer fiscally like sensible, um, we shut down and that's, you know, painful for all creators or YouTube disappears. Um, like that is not a good thing. So as much as everyone, I wish everything could be free and easily accessible. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you got to pay engineers, you got to pay tech costs, all that stuff. Yeah. And something that I think gets taken for granted is the fact that like we get to live stream and upload video content as much as we want for free. Right. That's crazy. It's, it's fascinating. Um, because, you know, I think even when like YouTube being one of the first video platforms to sort of test out that model of like, anybody can upload content and you can watch it as much as you want, um, was sort of the de facto, okay, this is how the industry is going to shape up. Um, you've seen some counter examples to that where you have this sort of paywalled or walled garden platform. So like, um, Go 90, a really like famous example that unfortunately just shut down, but it's like premium content that you have to pay access to. Um, it's, you know, I don't think, or Netflix, I think is the idea is like you, you could create a Netflix quality show and upload it to YouTube. Um, I don't know if anybody has like a billion dollars laying around for a budget <laughs> on a Game of Thrones, you know, an HBO style show. Um, but it's very interesting that like that is the model that the companies and you know tech startups have chosen um and what that means is that we have to we have to find some way to monetize that makes sense for audiences and creators alike that's amazing i love it so let's jump into the actual partnerships side of this we talked a little bit about content acquisition yeah let's let's get into what probably most people are waiting for during (laughs) this conversation right this is warming me up yeah (laughs) oh well i I try okay i try (laughs) so let's just start like very general what kinds of things does twitch specifically look for in partners so um i think there are now uh, i want to Honest in that I do not work content evaluation team. So what somebody is looking for in a partnership application, uh, I can't speak to explicitly, mm-hmm. um, but I can. I think I can speak to a lot of generalizations uh, as somebody who acquires partners and works with partners on a on a regular basis. So I think um, there are you know a dozen different things that anyone would say are pretty obvious. It's like you know uh, somebody who's a partner obviously has to has to make sense uh, in terms of engagement numbers. Um, and that's a pretty open-ended uh, sort of uh, maybe maybe a little bit more opaque uh, than people would hope for um, uh, metric. But it's the idea that can do you have enough viewers? Do you have enough engagement? Do you have uh, a sustained community that would make you a successful business partner of Twitch? 
um, at the end of the day is that you know we, we want you to be successful. We want you to start um, earning revenue from your channel in a way that means you can put more time and reinvest some of those resources into your channel. Um, and you know we introduced the affiliate program that really helped put another rung on that ladder to partnership. Um, but ideally, we'd hope that once we invite you to become a partner, you really have that um, engagement number uh, from a viewership, from a chat uh, activity, um, you know, uh, perspective to actually um, be successful uh, in, in multiple different lights. Um, then once, you know, that sort of bar is met, um, uh, I kind of, I kind of, you know, equate it to applying to colleges where it's like, that might be your GPA or your SATs, um, but then you also get to write the essay. Right. And that is everything else about your channel um, that doesn't come across in data analytics or in uh, statistics um, is what else do you bring to uh, Twitch that no other partner at this moment is or what is so unique about your channel, your community that would make it a valuable partner for Twitch. So for some folks that can be, hey, I focus on um, charity and nonprofit initiatives and I've raised, you know, $100,000 for, you know, uh, uh, St. Jude this year. Um, not that that number is more or less important if it's like I've raised $100 or a million dollars. But, you know, that's not something that I can just look up on your dashboard. So I would hope that you could, you know, find some way to tell me about that experience. Or, um, you know, I think there's something to being said for I'm bringing over a really new audience to Twitch. Um, and while I only stream for, you know, four hours a week, uh, this is an entirely new segment that Twitch isn't already engaging with because I do non-gaming content. I'm bringing over the automotive, you know, sort of community from, from my existing platform. Um, so understanding that there's like a little bit of depth that you can give in your application. Um, and I think one of the, the third and final um, points is that uh, Twitch partnership is not just uh, a verified badge on your page. Um, it's not just the ability to earn ad revenue. Um, you are a representative of Twitch uh, as a Twitch partner. And that means that you need to be an upstanding uh, member of the community. You are, I think the word that I use really often is stewardship. Um, and that's just because you cultivate a community. So this doesn't mean that you can't curse or that you can't be, you know, uh, you have to stay PG-13 or anything like that. But understanding uh, that a Twitch partner, uh, ideally represent, you represent yourself, you represent your own brand, but you are a de facto representative of Twitch, whether we put you on the front page or you're going out to an event and you're saying, hey, I'm a Twitch partner, that does have an impact on the wider community. So what is it that you bring to um, the table to ensure that we understand that like you are above and beyond what somebody would expect in that sort of professional uh, landscape. I think that's really important as well. Um, I think those are kind of the three main focuses. Um, and from there, you know, there's all sorts of different regional uh, differences that can happen where it's like, hey, are you creating content in Latin America, in Asia Pacific, in uh, Europe um, that really kind of, you know, maybe we're doing a, a particular focus on, you know, I don't know, uh, food content in Europe because we want to showcase uh, that. Uh, maybe there's something more to be said for that, but in general, those three are where I would focus on. So if someone doesn't necessarily hit the numbers required, which as of right now are 75 consistent viewers for the past 30 days, um, and they've streamed 25 hours in the past 30 days, and then there's there's one other. What is it? Um, so, I mean, it's uh, typically the, the biggest... Hours. It's, it's stream like con like hours streamed um, typically uh, per per week or per month uh, viewership numbers and then there is a, a sort of a chat activity so it can't just be this sort of like uh, 
you know, non-interactive stream because we know mm. that that's, that's at least an indicator um, towards how many people are willing to engage with your content, probably a good uh, leading indicator for monetization down the road as well. Right. So if someone doesn't necessarily hit those numbers yet, but they're seeing, they're either creating something that's really unique that you've never seen before, but fits really well for the platform. Is that something that you all would still consider for partnership? Or do you think that they kind of need to prove themselves a little bit more and to grow that community more? That's a good question. I think that, um, I think it can go both ways. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, a, a person, uh, people are the ones evaluating the partnership application. So it's not it's not a robot. Um, I know a lot of people assume uh, it was or it is, uh, but it is not. There's a person who reads those applications, um, and you you will. I, I can't say that there is no like bias. Obviously, we try to be as unbiased as possible in every way, um, not just in partnership evaluation. Um, but the realistic um, situation is that there will be somebody reading that, and they might say, "Wow, this person gets you know sixty concurrent viewers." But they are creating this really positive culture in their chat. They are doing some really impressive fundraising initiatives, and you know what? They're doing this all around automotive content. I think that they're worthy of us, you know, sort of investing in as a partner. Um, that can absolutely be the case and i've seen that happen like right before my eyes um but i think i've seen it go the other way as well where it's like people are making maybe maybe not the most uh uh you know ideal twitch content and we're like ah this might be we, we have some hesitations around this um you know maybe you need to actually get a little bit above that 70 75 ccu uh, number because we want to make sure that you are really committed to this or in the on the flip side it's like hey you don't stream as much um, you know if you do a podcast and you only stream two hours per week or four hours per week uh, how do we make sure that you're going to provide enough value to your audience that a subscription is worth it or that they'll come back and cheer with bits um, because that all plays into this idea that once again we want to make sure that you are as successful as possible as a partner uh, and that's kind of you know why we've added in those the, the achievements for the path to partnership was we want to give you some signals um, but at the end of the day it's not a guarantee and it's because so much of this is I, I would just say, you know, it's, it can be opinion on one side, it can be bias on the other. Um, it's subjective. We're humans and we do the best that we can. Um, you know, there's obviously areas in which we've, we've made some really good bets. Um, there are some areas in which we've, we've tried our best and some content categories or some partners just haven't worked out. Um, and we want to make sure that we don't, don't like lead false hope, but we give as many people as an opportunity as we can because there's still a main infrastructure around partners, right? Account managers, um, all of that, that sort of adds a bonus. Yeah. Can we actually talk a little bit about the different partnership teams? Like you're, you work in partnerships, but you don't actually yes. review the applications. Sure. So, um, there's, there's, uh, you know, in, I would say North America, there's this core development team, um, which is everybody from, uh, onboarding and content evaluation. So I actually, before I was in content acquisition, I did onboarding for Twitch partners, which is once you're accepted into the program, uh, by somebody who evaluated your application, you get passed on to what is, was me is now, uh, someone else. And they sort of get you set up on the back end, right? Um, we flip all the correct switches. We make sure that you are, um, turned into, uh, from a normal user to a partner, affiliates partner, because um, there's still some process around that. But there's also like making sure you're set up with all the help articles. Um, from there, you know, you kind of grow as a Twitch partner. Um, and I know that there's uh, uh, some some questions a little, a little bit later on about like what you do once that door is opened. 
Um, but you know, we want to make sure that you're, you're growing, you have access to all these new tools. Um, and then there are account managers. So these are people who kind of, um, exist to help you grow, be there as a, a sort of a voice of Twitch to make sure that you have all the, um, all the opportunities, all the access to assistance and support that you need, because there's a priority support queue for Twitch partners, um, as opposed to regular affiliates or, uh, users. Um, and then from there it can be, so an account manager can be, um, as sort of, uh, generic as, Hey, you're a variety streamer on Twitch to, you know, we've had account managers who only focused on speed running or only focused on uh, CSGO um, because we know each of those communities can be so nuanced and niche that they really need somebody who understands the community, understands that uh, sort of perspective really, really well. Um, and then from there, obviously, there's a huge infrastructure team around making sure that, like, um, are we building out the right products? Are we doing things that kind of give the voice to partners um, internally? Because Twitch is now, I mean, it's a couple couple thousand employees, I think. Um, you know, and I think one of the things is that uh, partners are obviously the, the sort of highest tier of creator that we have, but they're not the only users. Um, so how do we make sure that their voice is heard internally? How do we make sure that they're presented well? Um, and then beyond that, that gets sort of expanded into uh, regions as well. So as much as that was all about North America and English speaking North America specifically, so, you know, the US and Canada, um, what happens when you are in Mexico and you speak Spanish or you're in Brazil and you speak Portuguese, you're in Japan, you speak Japanese, uh, we need to provide all of that infrastructure and assistance and guidance as a partner as well. Um, so we have wonderful, wonderful teams based out of uh, uh, like Europe um, for EMEA. We have a team uh, in LATAM for America. We have a team out in APAC for all of Asia Pacific. Um, and they are, I, I'm just going to take a moment to like separate all of this and just say thank you to all of our partnerships people all around the world um, because they are champions. They are people who represent um, and do some incredible things. Uh, they are building out communities in regions where, um, you know, that support is incredibly needed. Uh, and they do basically everything that I just said, but with a team of like you know, two or three, I think, per per country, as opposed to, um, you know, 20 or 30, maybe in North America. So it's a, it's a much different. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Love you. Anyway, that is, of course, is to say thank you to everybody who worked Twitch in general. But mm-hmm. um, there are there are all, like some people that I think have gone above and beyond for their regions and for their communities. Um, everybody does it every day. But mm-hmm. I just want to I love those that team. That's the, amazing. National team. Yeah. I love that gratitude. What what would you say is kind of like the ratio for partners to partner managers? Ooh, um, actually, I'm going to be honest. I don't have accurate enough numbers to mm-hmm. share with you. Um, I can I can just say it's not enough, and it's <laughs> never enough. Um, realistically, I think one of the one of the tough things is that um, you know even like if if you were to say uh, there are. There are only so many conversations that you can have in a day. So even if I'm giving it my best and I cut all of my you know partner meetings to 15 minutes um, in a normal eight-hour workday, uh, I can only have what is it, 8, 16, 24, 32 at most, um, and that's being generous with no downtime, no no bunch or anything. Um, how many people would we need just in North America to manage you know a couple thousand U.S. partners? You'd need an immense team of people to do that. So. On one hand, we're trying to build more automated systems, education portals that really um, offer a lot of this basic advice that we know partners need pretty often. Um, but we're also trying to figure out what it means when you need a little bit more nuanced and accurate uh, 
you know, maybe issue specific assistance or guidance, you know, um, that means that uh, a help article won't help you. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's always, I, I don't want to say it's like a, a cat and mouse game because it's not like adversarial, um, but we are constantly growing our partner base, which means we are constantly growing our account management and partnerships team in general. Um, so at, at no matter what one end is going to be unbalanced and I'll, I'll just, you know, totally be honest, we can, we can always be doing better. And I think we, we are, um, you know, day to day, we are improving that, um, sort of communication that effectiveness constantly. Um, but the ratio isn't where I would want it. I'll say that. Um, but then again, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to deal with, uh, hiring and recruiting and training all of these people. So it's a, it's a tough challenge. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's very unique. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, let's talk about um, just kind of reverse engineering this idea of the things that you all look for in Twitch partners and people that have sure. already been partnered. So sure. if someone has that as a goal in their future, what kinds of things should they be doing at these different viewership levels? So say they have like 10 viewers or 30 or 50 or 75, like what kinds of things do these people need to be focusing on? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So I think um, until until you've hit that that sort of uh, bar of you can uh, you've hit you know the path to partnership achievement for viewership of seventy five viewers, um, that should be your number one goal is to increase your average viewership. And I know that that is um, that can seem like a Sisyphean task. You know, you're you're constantly pushing for it. and It doesn't seem to be coming, um, but I can tell you from uh, my own experience and from seeing hundreds, if not thousands of partners, um, you know, grow from not being a partner to a partner is that it can take three years, it can take three months, it can take three weeks, everybody's on a different schedule. Um, but realistically, the thing is that, you know, by um, just by having that verified badge on your page, having the sub button, having the ability to run ads does not mean that you will be successful. Um, it really is a bar that we set because we know that once you've hit that number, you have the best chance to succeed and continue to grow on the platform. So I would just sort of put that as point number one. Um, once you've gotten up to that idea of, you know, 50, um, 60 viewers and you're like really close, I think um, it's time to sort of bring out the, the big guns um, and figure out what is it that you can do that would set you apart either if you know that you want to apply for partnership now um, and because like you've, you've hit the achievement, maybe your numbers aren't perfect. They're not exactly where you want them to be. Um, so are you doing anything in a month uh, that will really like highlight the, the sort of special uh, content uh, on your channel or the special thing about your community? Um, but it can also be, uh, what, what have you not done in your channel um, that really does elevate some people? So for some folks that's doing um, charity drives, for some folks that's like playing a new game from start to finish, um, collaborating with another channel who's a little bit bigger, who has a different community that can increase your sort of um, unique viewership on your channel or increase your, your uh, average um, chat activity. There are so many things that I think really do uh, set apart um, a channel and can really be impactful in that way. Um, and once you've hit that 50 or 60 number, that's where you're going to see people who, uh, one, of the, one of the most interesting things to me is like viewer habits. We were just talking about those. Mm -hmm. I actually specifically, um, if I am, you know, uh, bored, I'm done with work and I'm looking for content on Twitch and, you know, maybe uh, I'm, I'm, nobody I sub to is online or nobody I follow is online, which never happens. But if I'm looking for something new, um, I actually look below um, the, the partnership threshold. Um, which like, so I go to viewers where they're like, you know, maybe sitting in that like 70 to, to 30 range, I go, you know, ev everywhere. Um, because that's specifically where I know people are going to be like thinking their, their brain is going to that place of, 
I want to do something that's so special, that's so unique and make every single new viewer stick around for another hour, for another hour, uh, come back tomorrow. And that's where I think the, the creativity really starts flowing. Um, so what are you doing for that viewer who comes in, whether you're being hosted or rated by another channel or you're streaming on a stream team and you know uh, somebody discovers you through that panel? Um, what is it that you're doing to, to capture that person? Um, I know that that is also vague enough to be frustrating and not it's not <laughs> prescriptive. Um, but realistically, if you're looking to me for exact content ideas, um, I am the worst person to ask because I am just one person. Um, I am not the hundreds of thousands of millions of people out there who would be discovering your channel. Um, and I think that uh, something I wanted to say earlier, but if anybody comes into your channel and tells you you should be doing this with your content or they're predicting the future of content, um, don't listen to them. Uh, if somebody could do that, they would probably be more rich and not have enough time to be uh, <laughs> a chatter in Twitch chat. Um, it's, it's really interesting, but like kind of keep yourself um, quick and spry and nimble um, and make sure that every single person that discovers you could be a follower, could be a sub, could be a uh, community regular and converting them is super important. Do you feel like that changes after partnership? No, I think it only gets harder. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's really funny. I know a lot of a lot of people very on point with this sort of trope in that, um, you know, the once you make Twitch partnership, it's actually not the end of a journey. It's just the beginning. Uh, it's the next stage. You know, it opens a, a new door. Um, realistically, what that means now is that you have, uh, you know, you, you have this awesome endorsement from Twitch as a platform, but it is by no means a guarantee. Um, it is by no means a, a sort of predictor of success. And arguably, you might have some people who say, oh, okay, cool. Now this person is like a partner. Um, they're not going to have enough time for me as a viewer. I'm going to go find somebody who's a little bit different, whose chat is more. So I think that there's, mm-hmm. um, you now have this sort of obligation to maintain the community and the culture that you've spent however many you know streams cultivating for, for your history. And how do you make sure that that um, continues on in the future? But now you do have something which is Twitch partnership, which can open up so many doors for continuing to grow and network, um, whether that's looking to um, you know, sponsorship and marketing opportunities for that are only available to Twitch partners, um, Twitch events like PAXs or E3s or Comic Cons where we do special events for partners. Um, and then I think it's also trying to figure out what is it that you want your partner brand to be? Because at that point, it literally has opened up this door. And I think uh, I think a really good um, you know vision is like choice paralysis is now you have new products, new tools, new challenges ahead of you. What do you do? Um, it can be really easy to be like, well, I made it. And maybe that drive isn't there anymore. Because um, I've done that, you know, in my life, I graduated from college and I was like, cool, I did this. I got my diploma. What do I want to do with my life? I don't know. I'm done. Um, and momentum is super important. So how do you keep that going? So it's super hard. Like there, I, I wouldn't even begin to say that there's one size fits all. It's almost like some people know that they need to keep the momentum going. And so their, their, their version of keeping that going is streaming just more and more and more and more to the point where they're just streaming all the time, their entire yeah. life. Yeah. Which is, That's a- whew. That's a tough one. Um, I, I know that um, in particular in terms of uh, safety, um, whether it's you know uh, like physical safety, mental health, um, that's not a good way to look at it. Um, yes, absolutely, you know you should stream as much as you can, but also with this um, super important sort of uh, flag of that's a healthy amount of streaming. Some people, just like you know anybody can be out there if you're training for for basketball or baseball or something like you could be doing two days, you could be cutting weight, you could be doing all this, and some people's bodies can keep up.
Um, but that's not the case for a lot of people. And uh, I saw something the other day, I think it was from Dance Gaming, where you can talk about how like, you know, putting your life out there, being a streamer, being on stream for as many hours a day as a lot of partners, a lot of content creators can do, uh, do um, is really taxing. And that can be mental health wise, that can be physically, uh, it can feel isolating, it can make you feel, uh, you know, not as valuable to, to people around you, because you start to lose like social relationships, any number of things. Um, make sure to, to constantly ask yourself, is this the best thing for me? Um, mm-hmm. so, you, know, you can't always be at your best. Um, you should always strive for that, but keep that in check. Keep that in moderation like anything. Uh, moderation is going to be key uh, because I, I know I have seen people try and do 24-hour streams, 48-hour streams, 72-hour streams. And while those are like great sort of tentpole events, especially if you're doing something cool like a charity event, uh, I swear if I see anybody streaming for 72 hours, multiple weeks in a year, um, it's it's painful. And we, we try and we try and do what we can to prevent that, um, just because we know it's not sustainable. Right. Absolutely. So I definitely want to get into like. Uh, information for people that are already partnered here in just a little bit, but I still want to make sure that we explore a couple more things for those who have partnership on the radar or for those just have that as a goal someday. So what kinds of things would prevent a streamer from being partnered, even if they have the numbers? Sure. Um, So I think uh, something that can prevent you from being partnered is if you're not a good brand representative. So understanding that that does not mean, once again, like I had said, you, just because you curse doesn't mean you're not a good brand representative. Um, but if you're being like overly aggressive with your language and basically constantly, you know, cursing or anything like that, it can be really hard to say, wow, this is a person who we would trust with the Twitch brand behind them. Um, I think somebody who might be, um, you know, there's there's a, a really big question uh, often in, the, in this world of Twitch with moderation around toxicity. Um, there are people mm-hmm. who create kind of toxic content in general, but it might not quite violate the TOS to where they get a suspension or receive a strike on their account. Um, that can be something that would prevent somebody from being um, partnered. Um, and like we said, uh, on the numbers side, right, if you have great uh, viewership numbers, but you don't have the chat engagement or, you know, you're not streaming enough hours, like those are all relative numbers. So making sure that you're, if you are like hitting your average viewership numbers, fantastic. Are you encouraging chat at the right um, sort of velocity? And are you um, streaming enough hours in the week or month to make sure that you can maintain that number? Um, beyond that, I think one of the other things is understanding that there has to be um, a sense of longevity to your Twitch channel and your brand. So um, like we talked about, like if, you, if you're only doing 24-hour streams, how do you really keep that up for the rest of your career? Um, yeah. So there's, there's certain content types where like it might be very viral, flash in the pan, that's what you're doing. Um, but how do we know that you can sustain that long term? Can you do that for three months? Can you do that for six months, 12 months, 24 months? Um, because when we partner you, you know, it's not just a short decision or it's not like a, 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 a timely decision in the, in the sense of it's not, it's not only a few short months, it's, it's for a while, it's for, it's for years. And we want to make sure that we're partnering with somebody who can, you know, be a successful partner for two years, four years. We have some partners we're reaching like seven or eight, I think. Um, that's what we want to see. That's awesome. So definitely that, that longevity. So longevity, engagement, and just the general audience factor. It's kind yeah. of like the trio for Twitch success, at yeah, least Twitch so. partnership. <laughs> some, some kind of trinity there. Um, mm-hmm. I think, it's, I think it's, it's different and it's going to be, you know, each, each channel and community will have its own sort of um, levels there, but those, those are definitely important. 
Awesome. Let's talk about something that is kind of a, a, a major trend in the community right now, which is this push for partner strategy. Uh, yeah. So I see this a lot with honestly creators of all sizes. So there are some people that have like, you know, they get 15 to 20 viewership consistently and they're advertising push for partner. There are people that are like 50 or 60. They're advertising push for partner. There are some people that love it. There are some people that absolutely hate it. Like this seems kind of like a divisive topic almost at this point. So how, how does Twitch feel about push for partner strategy? And does this actually like help or hurt you in your application? Yeah. Um, I, I will be totally honest that like I can't answer officially for Twitch just because totally, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know that we have a response to that. But I mean, personally, if I was about it, I don't I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with saying push for partnership in your channel title, you know, calling it out, saying, hey, guys, I'm, I'm really putting an effort into this. Um, but what I would do is I would sort of turn that question back on the creator who's using that and say, why is there a specific time in which push for partnership is more valuable to you rather than is this is like it should be a specific um, sort of general trend of upwards, you know, on this mm-hmm. on this graph of up and to the right. Uh, because if, if you're doing a push for partnership, when, when does that end? Because if your strategy around growing and engaging and retaining an audience um, is just centered around this push for partnership, it's going to end at some point. Like that seems to be a phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah. like, once again, that could be okay. You go all out, you blitz for, you know, the month of um, June or July. And you're saying, I want to get my partnership. I'm going to level out for a little bit and then sort of re-engage. Um, but understand that, uh, you know, it's, it's that, that is a signal to your community that, Hey, I'm, am I just part of this statistic? Am I part of this like particular plan as opposed to, wow, they are streaming and they are like really like growing. And every single person who joins the channel gets engaged with, uh, in, in chat in a meaningful way. That is a push for partnership. Um, you should be doing that. Hopefully everyone is doing that on their way to becoming a partner, uh, inherently. Um, but I will also say that I don't think that there's any like red flag in our system that says push for partnership. No, or push right. for partnership, you know, green, uh, green flag. Um, but there is a, there's a culture that it might, might be, it might be a signal to somebody in your chat or somebody reviewing your partnership that says, why do they have to call that out? Yeah. I, I love that. I think that that's a, a perfect response. I don't personally find anything wrong with like, especially someone who's close, right? That's kind of like, okay, let's do this, guys. We're going to go hard. We're going to go after this goal together. Like using using that kind of, because that's just another goal along the way right? Like it's not just like you've said, it's not the end all be all. It, it, growth doesn't stop whenever you yeah. become a partner. Like you don't stop trying after partnership, but definitely kind of mobilizing your community to achieve a goal together isn't wrong, right? It's not like right. a bad thing to do. Um, right. And I, I've seen a lot of people that have been, you know, lower viewership that obviously have, have been doing pushes for partner and have it like in their stream title. And it feels like they're focusing on the wrong thing. Like they're using that push for partner as a way to say like, Hey, I have this goal and I want you guys to be here, but so that we can reach this goal instead of actually doing like the effort and the work to make people feel strong emotions when they come into their channel. Like, are they being entertaining? Are they inspiring or are they educating? Like, what are they doing? That's making people want to actually stay around. So I think that that's like a, that's a perfect way to, to sum it up. It's not, it's not completely wrong, but it's also not the, the way that you grow. That's not a great sustainable growth pattern. 
it's you will find examples of people that it's been successful for and with yeah um and you know no no uh sort of ill will towards them but i think a lot of people would would be you know it would be beneficial if they just sort of ask why am i doing that and commoditizing my audience uh mm -hmm. turning them into something just a vehicle to get partnership as opposed to what am i building with this Right. Exactly. I love that. So let's say that someone is close to partnership and they're at, you know, 50 or 60, maybe consistent viewers. What kinds of things do you recommend or that you've seen work in the past for other people that just needed like a little bit of extra that that thing that you said earlier, they just need to find a way to stand out to diversify yeah. themselves from the crowd? This one's probably um, probably the toughest to answer because it's so specific to the idea of like what's gotten you to that point today. Um, you've probably thought of a lot of innovative, original ideas that have gained you a, a considerable following. Like I think, I think one of the things that needs to be said is that if you can get five people watching you uh, regularly, if you can get fifty people watching you regularly, that's incredible. That, yeah. is, that is something that I don't think. Like you know, you can have thousands yes. of followers. On Twitter, how many of them are constantly watching you for hours on end on a day? Mm -hmm. um, so there's already something that you're doing that is magical super successful with that, the audience and community that you've uh, developed. Um, so for a lot of people, I think it would be, um, have you reached out to everyone else in your network, in your community that is also a content creator or has a community themselves? And how do you make sure that you're leveraging the bright ways to uh, cross promote and cross pollinate your audiences? That's, that's something that I think is very low effort, but really high value. So if you haven't, you know, found a way to say, hey, you know, I know that you stream uh, on the days that I'm not streaming on my channel. Can we find some way to, to cross-pollinate our communities with hosting and rating? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's super important. But then there's also specific activities that I think have been super successful, whether it's like doing a fundraiser drive that can drive in a lot of attention because you know that you can rely on people's goodwill to sort of retweet or share on other social platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, your channel saying, hey, Zach is streaming. You know, he's, he's raising money for St. Jude. He just needs a couple more people to join his channel because once he hits you know 70 viewers he's gonna do a, a scarathon or something like that like thinking of ways of getting to your goal but without it being like so plainly um just about reaching that viewership number it's like because there's another end to it you want to welcome more people in your community um i think mm -hmm. those are super important and then finally um i mean i think it's trying to figure out what are you doing with your content when you are not streaming um, this is something that I think is an interesting uh, conundrum for a lot mm -hmm. of content creators is because they think that the only way to grow is to be live. And while that might be the number one way to grow, that is two through five on a lot of people's lists is, um, once again, I'm sorry to keep using it, but Ninjas is just such a good example. He does not only use one platform for his discoverability or his content. Mm -hmm. He will post stuff on Instagram. He's posting stuff on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, and the great thing is that that's all an untapped quote unquote um, audience that you could be, if you're posting short form content to Instagram or Twitter, it can bring in an audience that could get, you know, 10 extra viewers the next time that you stream. So thinking about those things that you aren't quite yet taking advantage of. Um, I think another one is clips on Reddit. It's been obviously like a super huge viral moment for a lot of people. You do something crazy in Fortnite or you have a really great quote from a podcast. You clip it, you throw it up on Reddit and that's something that can, you know, sort of go viral overnight or have success with engaging on a different platform. And those people will hopefully show up the next time that you stream. So chat. Clip what Zach just said and put it on Reddit. Okay, ready, go. <laughs> no, really though, I, I love that. And I love the idea of diversifying your content. I think that's such a huge piece of this that a lot of people kind of 
kind of miss, right? Like they box themselves into this idea of, oh, I'm a streamer on Twitch. So that's all I have to do is just show up, turn on my camera and that's it. But really you're a brand, like you're, you're a personal brand. And there are so many different creative ways that you could be making content and helping people in the unique way that you do on other platforms, like podcasts, huge YouTube. Amazing. There's no reason that we need to stick to just one platform to be able to grow our communities. Yeah. So I think that's super important is, is there's, there's no one right way to do it. And that means that it's always innovation. So Mm -hmm. take everything I just said and also like throw it out the window and try to find your own way there. Yeah. Um, It means it might, it might be the only one who's thinking of these. So yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I want to go back to like, you mentioned collabs and That's, I think, a huge part, that collaboration process, especially when you're really, really close to hitting those numbers that you need. You can kind of like cross, like you said, actually, cross pollinate and just share that viewership because we don't own viewers, right? Like we, they are their own people and they can watch whoever they want to watch. But there's this big fear in the community right now that people are afraid of reaching out to collaborate with someone else because they feel like they're going to be seen as, oh, you're just using me to try and like, get to the top sure. so how do you feel about that and how do you think people should overcome that fear so one um i think that is a very good like point is that it can be really terrifying and it's not just in the sense of collaborations or um trying to network um in general like lots of things are terrifying and you're scared and the first thing that i want to say to people is like if you're scared of doing something if you're um, anxious whatever it might be it's there's a reason for it and it's typically because you care so I want oh. you to know that it's a good thing. Um, just made me really emotional. Sorry, continue. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, no, I, I, yes. I don't, don't mean to go down that trend. But like, so one of the things that I would say is if you think that, um, you know, reaching out to other people and trying to network and, you know, uh, engage with people in that way is kind of a little bit scary for you. It's because, you know, it can be really easy to feel manipulated or like it can feel disingenuous. So that's it's coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would say back to you is think about it in a way is like, how would you want somebody to approach you? I think the golden rule is ethical in so many different things. Um, but if somebody was in your chat uh, while you were streaming and they're like, hey, can you host me when you're done? That might come across as disingenuous if you don't know them, if that you have poor with. Um, mm-hmm. So try and always approach it as like, if somebody was going to do this to me, how would I feel if I did or if, if I had this like done to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's really important to understand that there is uh, just again, it's a, it's an, a, there's a time and a place um, where things do feel appropriate or more appropriate and less appropriate. Um, so once again, in the middle, like, you know, there are lots of chats where they say uh, no self advertising or no sort of self promotion. And that's the, the content creators call. And I think it's a very valid one. Um, but that also probably means that they do have a way in which they want to sort of receive recommendations or sort of do promotion. Um, so try and join that in a really authentic way. So um, whether that's by you know having a Discord channel where people can post their own links, um, or uh, if it's a it's a way in which they do like you know streamer Sundays or something like that, uh, suggestion Saturdays where it's like you go through and you have some kind of way to to really engage with your your community. Um, because I think uh, the the wonderful thing about Twitch and probably a lot of other content creation platforms is that it's very reciprocal um when you receive the benefit of something you're more likely to give it as well so uh i tell people all the time i'm like hosting and rating uh, other people will most likely get them to host and rate you um so even if you don't ever say something in chat and like you know, like if you're scared to say something you should bring your viewers to somebody eventually that you want to rather that you want to eventually host or rate you because you're making the first move that is a positive move for them and they're going to be more likely to reciprocate there 
Um, and then once again, I think trying to get out to uh, something that I think is super important that's relatively new um, in the world of Twitch, but also like that we're supporting more and more is the sort of uh, community and city uh, Twitch, you know, sanctioned communities. Um, so that whether that's like Twitch London or Twitch Bay Area, Twitch San Francisco, Twitch, you know, Miami, I know that there's like probably dozens uh, in, in every sort of uh country and, and state, at least for the US, is like, go out to those events because they're, they're going to be a lot of local people. You can do lots of really cool events. You can meet them in person, talk about strategies and talk about ways in which you can collaborate. Um, but I think if you're, if you're thinking about it in a really like authentic and organic way, that would be um, welcoming to you if mm -hmm. it was done to you. That's probably the number one piece of advice I would give. I love that. And it's, I think that authenticity piece is like the biggest part of it, right? If you yeah. just, if you go to someone and you're just like, Hey, host me, if you're trying <laughs> to make this like weird kind of business relationship out of it, like I will host you for exactly two hosts in return, like then right. it's kind of going to be weird. Like you want <laughs> it to be, you want it to be authentic. Like you're supporting, yeah. you're, you're likely to support that person and they want to support you because you're friends and we're all in this space together. There's no reason that we all can't like share resources and have oh, yeah. have good relationships with each other right um if, if there's one more thing i would add on to this is that i think a lot of people look at twitch as a zero-sum game uh in that like your success is my failure or that you having these viewers means i don't have those viewers and not only is that not the case um I think that, you know, once again, nobody's streaming 24 seven, you should always feel like viewers are um, coming and going. And that's a good thing. Um, but Twitch itself as an ecosystem, as a platform is not zero sum. There's a much bigger pie and there's a much bigger piece of that pie that exists outside of Twitch. So if you look at it as a way of like, I'm going to network with this other content creator, network with this other community and cross pollinate, there's probably a bridge that they have into some other community off of Twitch. That is such a huge pipeline for you and your viewership because just think about it. I mean, Twitch has, you know, uh, you can see the stats, but it's got like a certain number of users that come to the site every day. There are more people in the world than that. So we can be finding other ways to bring people in. So nothing yes. is going to be zero sum in this world there's always a chance to collaborate and have it be a win-win for both sides. Absolutely. It's that abundance mindset instead of a scarcity yeah. mindset, right? Where yeah, exactly. just, just because like somebody gets a, an opportunity, it doesn't mean that you don't get one too. You don't need to like be jealous and, and hate them for that or like try to prevent someone else's growth because you think it means that you don't get to have any. It's I love that. Yep. And that this is why I wanted you on this podcast, okay? Because <laughs> you know what? I always tell people like surround yourself with others who have that abundancy mindset, who see yeah. these opportunities in the world. Don't surround yourself with the people that have a scarcity mindset that don't create growth for themselves because they're trying to, to just hold so tightly onto the things that they have and not share and not collaborate. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's in, both, in both practice, but I was gonna say in practice and in mindset, because yeah. there are going to be some people who are audience members of yours who aren't creators who might not have that community access, but if their mindset is just as positive and just as in like um, sort of informative in that way, I think that's just as beneficial. So um, surround yourself. That's, a, that's great advice. Mm -hmm. So let's get back into this partnership, like application process. We know you don't yeah. really work with the applications like too much, but sure. say we've, we've gotten to the point where we have, you know, 10, 30, 50, 75 viewers, that path to partnership lights up and <laughs> we're good to apply. So what kinds of things should we be putting into that application, that essay and, yeah. uh, 
that. Yeah, so I think um, uh, the the sort of analogy that I'd use applying for uh, college or it's applying for a job, um, it's like that that little bit where you have a chance to write is everything about your channel, everything about your community uh, that you can't see from the numbers. So, you know, we obviously have access to your dashboard, to your stats. We have even, you know, some some particular things that we use that like help us extrapolate from that. So it's not just the, like what happened on, you know, July 4th um, for your stream, but we can, we can see a little bit deeper than that. But it's realistically, it's like, um, I don't get to watch every second of every minute of every stream that you have. So if, if I could only review a couple of portions of your stream, I would hopefully get the vibe, I would get the brand, I would get the, the overall essence. But what is it about your channel? What is it about that your content and your community that is so unique that really does exemplify you as a Twitch partner? Um, for some folks, like I'd said earlier, that could be about your charity initiatives, how much money you've raised. Um, for you, it could be like, hey, I am bringing over this unique content category and here's a, a business plan that I've done that exemplifies the market research of bringing over automotive content that doesn't exist yet on Twitch. And then for some people, it's just the fact that they represent, um, and I think this is super important, uh, this is a particular issue for me, but it's either like a, a sort of a marginalized group or identity on Twitch in uh. content creation, um, because I think that it's something that like we have uh, not necessarily an obligation, but an interest in sort of supporting is how do we make sure that content creators from every content category, every you know uh, demographic background are actually welcomed and included here at Twitch. Mm -hmm. uh, so that can be something that I think is super important important because as much as you know i would love to say that we can we can get that from your stream there's probably a lot about your stream that isn't necessarily accessible from five minutes of watching a clip or uh you know looking at your stats dashboard so it could be like hey i come from an lgbtq uh background and i particularly raise money for um, the trevor project i've raised fifty thousand dollars this year um that's what most of my streams are about that's something that is so awesome and so important that like Twitch would probably love to have as a partner because that's a great brand representative. You're doing something that nobody else is doing and it puts you over the edge um, mm -hmm. as opposed to, hey, I stream, you know, and this is not a bad example. It's like I stream League of Legends. I stream four times a week. Uh, you know, I hit 75 CCU. Like there's something very different about that. That could literally be the same content creator. But if you show me what is a little bit more in depth than that, that can really open up uh, the content evaluator's eyes. Oh, I love that. And I love hearing that Twitch is so into the idea of like inclusive communities and just building spaces like the the growth of gaming is going to happen because we're inclusive to more different types of people. So, oh, yeah, love it. I think <laughs> I think that one's super easy to, to breeze over. But the idea of being mm -hmm. inclusive and welcoming, um, I mean, just if you're being selfish and business minded, like you will you will have more of an audience if you're inclusive and welcoming. Um, and I don't just mean that you have to be like, welcome anybody. You should shun toxic people from your community for the most part, mm -hmm. um, because they're also going to be ones that prevent new viewers from feeling welcome. Like they can chat, like they can subscribe and not feel excluded. Um, but in general, you want to have the biggest audience possible. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you're open-minded about um, who is able to be a member of your community. And I understand that it's the internet and it can be like kind of funny to be a little bit, um, you know, edgy. 
but if you're trying to become a Twitch partner, maybe you should rethink that mindset. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I love that. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the, the application process a little bit more yeah. because this, this process is not understood. A lot of people, <laughs> like a lot of people are like, they're just sending their applications out into the ether and they're like, I have no idea what's going to happen now. Hopefully it'll yeah. be good news in a month. I have no idea. Um, sure. So how does this process work on your end? Yeah. So realistically, um, every time somebody submits an application, uh, sort of, you know, it takes a it's a it's a snapshot of their channel. So we get uh, a bunch of information and sort of a, the the analytics about your channel, and then the sort of paragraph or the text summary that you write with your application. Um, it is done chronologically. Um, so obviously, if you submitted it today, you're going to be evaluated uh, before somebody who submits it tomorrow, but after somebody who had submitted it yesterday. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're going to receive a response in that same vector because, hey, some people take more time to evaluate, some people take less. Um, but I think um, the most important thing to go with after that is uh, like I had said earlier, that there are regional teams. So if you're applying in North America, you're going to be evaluated by somebody who understands your content category in North America versus if you're applying from you know Russia, you're going to be evaluated by one of our Russian associates. Um, and from there, it literally goes into their queue. Um, they basically, I don't want to say they spend all day doing that because our content evaluators um, love to develop and they get to take on other projects as well. Um, but they sort of read through your read through your application, they get as much context as they can, and then they can spend anywhere from like, you know, a couple of minutes to, I would even guess a couple of hours really reviewing a channel, right? Um, some people can be so close to the line that, hey, I need to sit down and watch two hours of your stream. Um, and some of that can, I, I don't know if it happens, but I would not be surprised if there's been a chance where like, you have probably been streaming and had a content evaluator in your channel. Um, maybe they're not chatting, maybe they're looking, but they're watching to see what do you like live? How do you respond to people? Uh, they want to get that live experience. So, uh, and I don't say that to like terrify people. Um, I just say that to be like, hey, there's always an opportunity to impress somebody, whether they're a staff member or not. Um, and from there, it can be, like I said, you know, hopefully um, the vast majority of your analytics, your data points sort of check off the, the bar that we would need to then really evaluate you as a partner. Um, maybe that context portion pushes you over the edge. Um, and then from there, um, you've, I think we've, we've talked about it, but sometimes we'll like accept somebody into the program. Um, and we, we internally, there's this, this cool little like program where we'll, we'll sort of jump into and raid, uh, a staff raid will happen on a, a oh. new partner's chat. <laughs> Uh, and it's really, really powerful, not just for like those of us who have been at Twitch for a while, like that is genuinely one of the most satisfactory things you ever have, uh, like I can see happening. Um, but you also have to imagine that there are new people starting at Twitch every week. Um, and that might be the first time that they're seeing what Twitch partnership is really like. Um, mm -hmm. You know, somebody's on like the legal team or the finance team might not uh, have ever, you know, seen a partnership happen. So it's a really good moment. Um, so it's kind of, it's a, it's a pretty, it can be a pretty elongated timeline. Obviously, um, we want to do that as much as possible and as fast as possible, but I would hope that people would understand that there is a uh, uh, sort of a balance to reading through them really fast and not evaluating to giving them the time that they deserve. And it's a very delicate balance. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's the time. I love it. Most people that I've seen applying recently have been waiting about like a month. Some people have even waited like a, two months or sure. or so to get their responses to their applications. So yeah, it can it can take some time. Um, I think uh, a lot of people um, would 
you know, benefit from knowing that like we've uh, on the back end, there's some some systems that have had to be updated with the partnership application process. A while ago, we updated the dashboard, which meant that some of the stats um, had to be imported at a different rate, all of that kind of stuff. So it has piled up. Um, but it's also that like <laughs> we are humans, too. And some days like July the 4th, we are actually not in the office and not working. Um, lots of those things can pile up. But I can tell you that it is absolutely like a, a, a guiding star for us is to make sure that we get back to um, Realistically, there is a, a much shorter um, timeline than we would hope than two months, one month. Um, you know, I think that that we can always do better once again. But this is this is a, a, just a period of sort of at least a little bit of lag, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon. You also lowered the partnership requirements too. So now that we have that path to partnership and all of those achievements, we have a, a number to aim for. Back in the day, yes. it was kind of this like this Question. idea and this yeah, it was like what is it? Because we had this um, spot on the website that told us that you needed to reach like 500 concurrent viewers to be able to to qualify for partnership. But there were people all the time that were getting approved, and so now we have a, a good solid goal to aim towards. So. Yeah, Thank I you. think it's I think it's important <laughs> to provide that bar, um, but it's also important to know that it's um, it's much more than your numbers. Um, those obviously carry a lot of weight, but there there are any number of reasons why somebody can get partnered um, below those numbers or not partnered above those numbers. So, yeah, absolutely. How much of this process is kind of determined by like whose desk your application ends up on? Okay, <laughs> this is something that a lot of people are like. It, your your application is approved depending on like who's who reviews it. Apparently, there are people in Twitch that they're just very very strict and they only accept people if their numbers are crazy and they're doing something sure. really unique. Sure, <laughs> um, I would say that that is. Uh, so I'm not going to sit up here and try and once again tell you that like we are unbiased, perfectly totally. objective people. Um, but I can tell you that a as uh, creators applied to the partnerships program, we can see a history of their applications. So you know if um, if there's ever any doubt of like somebody being like, hey, I've you know clearly hit these marks for multiple applications in a row, um, we can see that and. Uh, that is something to go in the way of like, it's not just uh, one time, oops, it hit the wrong person's desk. But I think it's also that um, there are multiple people who are evaluating and that staff mm -hmm. constantly sort of rotates through and graduates from that role. Um, it is an associate role. So it's kind of like where a lot of people start in partnerships. Um, but like anything, I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, it is it is a person evaluating it and there can be some people um, when, when, when it, I would say when it comes down to like, oh, is it just about the numbers? It never is. Um, and one of the great things is that there's a, a really long sort of history and um, there's a deep roster of folks on the partnerships team who have gone through the evaluation role. And we are always there to sort of help provide guidance. If somebody's kind of on the fence, they're not sure how to, you know, look at somebody's profile, look at somebody's content um, because it's unknown to them or they're really curious. Um, there's there's definitely like a, a lot of different resources that they have to make sure that they're going down the right decision tree there. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. So let's talk a little bit about that uh, that post partnership experience. Okay, yeah. so you, you've mentioned a couple of times that there are resources for people after they get partnership. What yeah. are those resources? Yeah. So I mean, um, obviously, I think one of the one of the most immediate things is that there's a uh, priority partner help queue. Um, so one of the things, that, uh, as you become a partner, you have access to a lot more products uh, on Twitch. So you get ad revenue from your channel, you get 
or emote slots. You have access to Twitch parties sometimes or, you know, events. You might get access to um, particular sort of products and beta releases on Twitch. So all of those can be like really overwhelming. Uh, they can be sort of daunting and you don't know what to do. Um, if you go to help.twitch.tv and you're logged in with your account, um, whether you're a user and affiliate, you might go to one queue. If you're a partner, you go to our prior, uh, priority partner support queue. And that's just like, hey, I, you know, I tried to upload an emote and it's black. Like, it's not what I want it to be. Can you help me out with that? We'll, you know, hopefully get that, um, get that uh, rectified for you. Um, I think that's a really huge resource. And that's one of those things of like, it can be something as small as that, or it can be like, hey, I'm trying to figure out how do I get involved in the St. Jude fundraiser? Um, is there anybody that I can work with? And you know, the support team will work with, hey, do we have uh, bandwidth on our chair? Because we have somebody who does charity and nonprofit initiatives on partnerships. Do they have the bandwidth to work with this person to help give them an op like um, some sort of connection to that event or that group? Um, and then from there, it can be like, uh, once again, I think some of those products that I had mentioned before, where it's like partners are the first ones to give or get partner uh, access and feedback, uh, product uh, access and feedback. So, you know, there's there's probably some things that you guys have heard about, whether it's like um, a bounty board here or the ability for um, some people to like test out new products that we've had when it's like trans codes and all this stuff. Um, there are so many things that I think um, are going to be really valuable for partners because you are kind of on the cutting edge and you're on the cusp of what's working um, and what's not. You understand your communities. You understand this product, and this platform probably better than most of us even who work at Twitch because uh, you, uh, you, you, you grind it every day. So um, you get that. And I think that's like probably something that a lot of people would be like, oh, we're just beta testers. But you also get a huge upside and in, like insight into that product before everyone else does. Um, and then especially as you, you sort of grow Grow as a partner on the platform. Um, there's obviously like a lot of sort of perks to having um, a sort of an account manager or somebody at Twitch who you regularly speak with. Maybe you go to enough events, you've grown, you start doing influencer campaigns, you start working with a management group. We try and get you um, more and more opportunities. Um, I'm sure that you guys have seen what Twitch Studios has done with um, the, uh, the the hosting workshops, um, where it's like, hey, if you want to be a host and you don't know where to start, how do we do that? Um, and then from there, hey, can you be a host at an E3? Can you be a host at a PAX or something like that? Um, those typically only come from partnerships. So it's like you've now become a brand representative for Twitch. How do we continue to elevate you? I love that. Where can partners find those resources? So uh, the biggest one is going to be obviously like E. So it's a, a, we're currently in the process of sort of hopefully uh, overhauling our education portal. Um, but I think it's also just using that priority support queue. So if you have a question about something, um, this is where it's like there are so many things that are evolving every day in all these different programs, depending upon the region that you are. Um, but you can just sort of reach out and say, hey, I want to get involved in or charity initiatives, or I'm looking to come out to TwitchCon and do a meet and greet or something like that. Um, I think that's really important. And then uh, understanding that, especially as you become a partner, there's just a lot of stuff that is, I mean, tribal knowledge is what we call it, where it's like, it's not on a help article, it's not you know written down somewhere. And that's just because we're working on sort of documenting everything. Um, so if you're ever curious, you should always go to that help um, page and just submit a ticket. You don't, it doesn't have to go into a specific category. You'll send an email uh, and a human will read it and be like, cool, here's your answer to your question. Also, here's three different um, suggestions or ideas for development that I have for you. Because um, once again, we can pass those tickets around, those emails around, and they can go to the right person who can um, who can help. What was the link for that one more time? Uh, that's going to be help.twitch.tv. Perfect. So I think twitch.tv slash help also works, but 
Awesome. Yeah, I see some people and some partners in chat are like, what? We have that? Oh, my Yes, God. I know um, <laughs> I, I know a question that, that gets time is the sort of manager one. Manager for every partner. Oh. Um, unfortunately, that is a resource that is limited um, just in the sense of, like, time and fairness to everybody. Um, so, uh, obviously, like, the help the help portal is designed to basically answer and help as many people as possible. Um, and once uh, once you um, feel like you've like reached every end and the, the support team isn't able to help you out there anymore, sometimes uh, it'll get passed on to an account manager who can do some more specific uh, work with you there. So uh, if if you're if you're asking yourself if you have an account manager or anything like that, go to the help articles, uh, submit a, submit a ticket. You know, try and get your problem solved there. Mm-hmm. And if not, we'll. we'll stay in communication and get it figured out for you. Who has a, a partner manager? How do you how do you guys kind of decide who gets that that special one-on-one attention from someone at Twitch? This is this is the juicy stuff. This is Oh yeah, this is good. <laughs> um, uh, so so it depends on a lot of factors. I mean, realistically, um, it can be region based. So if you are, you know, a, a Japanese partner, there's probably, um, you know, a, a, an account manager for your region who can help just with translation in general. Um, but it also can come down to the community, right? So there are people who work in the Smash community or the fighting game community. There's somebody who's dedicated to helping that community. They're kind of the account person for that. Um, but realistically, what happens is there are some people who just, you know, go to enough events, have met enough Twitch staff that they have somebody on the partnership team that they sort of work with consistently and communicate with. That is maybe de facto an account manager. Um, but realistically, it's also, hey, once you are, um, you know, you have you've grown as a partner enough to you have a certain number of subs, maybe you stream often enough with a large enough uh, viewership that there are lots of things that like uh, advertisers and marketing folks want to like work with you on. So we need to have a little bit more of an intimate relationship. Um, there is at, like there isn't a bar um, that I can like specifically call out because once again there are some partners who have been a partner for five years they have an account manager just because they know who um, they know somebody personally they know somebody individually they talk to pretty often um, and it's it's definitely something that like, like like a lot of other things this is a lot of just human like person resources um, so scaling those up is more difficult than build a help article and have it accessible to everybody so uh, we're trying to scale that as both quickly but responsibly uh, as we can. So that's amazing. And then I have, <laughs> I actually have like one last question for you, which would be after, after that partnership, right? We, we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but after partnership, a lot of <laughs> viewers could leave your channel. Sure. Okay. So that growth is more difficult to achieve after partnership because a lot of people okay. are they're excited for you right to hit that goal. So what yeah. what kinds of things should a streamer be doing after partnership using all these opportunities, all these doors that open? What yeah. kinds of doors, I guess is this is really my question is what doors open for yeah. partners and how should yeah. they implement those doors and those new opportunities into their content to keep and maintain their growth? Yeah, I think that's super important. So um, especially if you are in that, uh, as we discussed earlier, that push for partnership area, if you know that you're close and you're going to be applying soon, um, I would sincerely hope that everyone has a plan 
Um, and it can be a business plan, it can be a content plan, but just some sort of idea about the day that you do get accepted as a partner, what do you do? Like what happens for that mm-hmm. week? Because as everyone has seen, there's a lot of partner hype. You come back and there's a partner hype stream and all of your friends and your community is excited for you and they're tweeting about you and they're posting your link on Reddit and they're like, you know, uh, hosting you for everything. So try and take advantage of that momentum where you can. Um, that's like step number one, but it's also like, uh, like I said, where that, that verified badge, that being a Twitch partner can open a lot of doors with sponsors, marketing opportunities, Twitch teams, um, other partners who are like, hey, I recognize you. Now you've got that um, you've got that verified badge. You're a Twitch partner. How can I help you? Because, hey, you've got you know at least 70 viewers, 70 average viewers that might be able to come into my channel. Um, so understanding that there's an app, like a particular plan that you have after that um, is super important. And then trying to find, I think, uh, like I said, the, the Twitch um, events that we're going to. So, you know, for people that are like looking to get to partner now um, or they're like thinking about applying soon, um, I hope that you would have a wonderful plan if you got accepted right before TwitchCon. Um, and that's not to say that you have to be at TwitchCon, but understand that there's going to be a lot of really cool, you know, things that we announce at TwitchCon that you can take advantage of, you can start talking about, um, or there's going to be a lot of networking opportunities around TwitchCon. Um, but that can be said the same for what PAX events, what E3s or game uh, events. And then I know that I'm speaking very specifically in gaming terms, um, but if you're a non-gaming content creator, you know, what sort of big events can you take advantage of? Um, Because that is, you know, absolutely like one of the things that I think would be so cool is like the day that we, um, you know, like somebody is like a beauty content creator, they get sponsored. Uh, I think that there is an actual convention called BeautyCon. Um, but like, hey, yeah. I'm going to get partnered. I'm going to go to BeautyCon and I'm going to IRL stream from the floor or I'm going to do like a, a live demo on me. That's something that like we are clearly not involved in yet. And you could be the one to break open that door. And that would be something so cool to plan for your like partnership application. So trying to think of those really good ways to take that momentum that's going to happen from your partnership um, and like month one and start setting out, you know, month one goals, month six goals and, and keeping track of it because uh, it can get pretty easy to be like, ah, I've made it um but like we've said a, a, a number of times before that's just sort of opening the door for mm-hmm. the rest of the, the the ladder that you get to get to start climbing i honestly kind of feel like that's meta changing <laughs> information i think <laughs> i think you just changed the meta right now zach because people know, like i don't know if i would go that far i'm not i'm not that smart no because well here's the thing like people don't plan for what happens afterwards after partnership you never hear it talked about a lot of people say i thought there was going to be some kind of direction after i got partnered and there just wasn't anything but instead like we need to to communicate and get that information out there that it's it's more on you to have a solid plan before you go into partnership so that you know and you can stick with that momentum of oh my god i just got partnered now let's go now let's really do all these things i've been planning on doing it's like a business plan like you just said basically exactly so um, awesome i don't think i don't think there's one right way to do it totally um, I know I've, I've seen some people be like hey i've finished this crazy long push taking a day off that's not to say that's the wrong decision um sometimes you need to you need to rest and recuperate but understand mm-hmm. that there's going to be a lot of momentum around it and how you sort of keep that energy going is going to be uh really important for the longevity yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and uh, open this Q and A up now. What do you guys Ooh, think? Okay. Are you ready? I'm really ready so. for this. <laughs> I, also, I also feel really bad. I'm not too sure if I speak too much. I realize that this is like no. two hours on now. So 
Uh, they're all probably like, I'm tired of this. Like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> Pull him off. He's no, done. I can honestly, I can guarantee you that they're absolutely loving this. And you've, <laughs> you've given them so much good information to think about. And I think it's really going to help people because, you know, like, my community is, is 90% streamers, right? Yeah. Like, so many of them are content creators. So this is information that they're, like, they're just chewing on right now. They're very happy. So, yeah, <laughs> for, they're like, we want more. Yes. <laughs> Well, well, this is this is now Q and A time, so please feel free to, uh, to to start asking. I'm sure that that you're gonna have a particular way that you want them asked, though. Yeah, no, it's 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 totally fine, guys. Just go ahead and post any any questions that you have in the chat. You are good to go. I did see the clever artist name asked a, a question earlier when we were on a, a different subject, but wanted yeah. to know um, what is so excluding the like super popular streamers and content creators on Twitch, what kind of is the, the average income you would guess for a creator who is partnered and let's, let's say full time. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's actually a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I know that it's, uh, this one's particularly difficult because it, it ranges so dramatically between, uh, regions, between countries, games, communities, all of that. But, um, one thing that I can say is like, important for for twitch and partnerships as a as a general metric is that we want more full-time creators on the platform um and what that would basically be is you know would they be making arguably what i assume is like a minimum wage in the u.s for you know streaming 40 hours a week or something like that so um i i think it's important to realize that um, not all of uh, not all of Twitch like revenue is captured just by Twitch products. So it's like, of course, we know that people are making money from running ads on their stream, um, subscriptions, uh, cheering with bits, and then maybe some uh, Amazon affiliates revenue. Um, but that's also not capturing the full picture. With you know, some people have tips on their stream that they do third party. Um, some people have sponsorship, marketing revenue, things like that. Um, but realistically, I mean. Thinking about, you know, somebody who lives in L.A. or New York or San Francisco who does full-time streaming has to make a lot more money than if you're living in the middle of Ohio or Idaho or Louisiana, like where I came from. Um, really, like, I, I would love to say that every partner is making, you know, above minimum wage for all the time that they put in. But I also know that that's just not the case. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of this this weird dichotomy of um, we like Twitch should be doing more to expand revenue and monetization opportunities. But we also have to make sure that we're educating our partners in the best way to do that, making you know things like Twitch Prime more accessible in more countries. Um, we're increasing the amount of um, revenue generating products that exist. You know, we, we were able to, to innovate innovate a little bit with bits and cheering and Twitch Prime, but we want to keep uh, pushing that forward for sure. Mm-hmm. So the way that this is going to work in the chat, guys, is if we don't get to your question, feel free to just post it again and we will get to it eventually. We're just going to do our best to like pick them out of chat when we see them. So the first one that I'm seeing here is... <laughs> Um, from Torin Breezy, who asks, is there ever going to be a country rep for Portugal? Um, Ooh. Yeah, she, she's, a, a she's a partner in Portugal. And You're a partner in Portugal. So I, I think that we, that, so this is, this is actually going to uh, expose me as a very ignorant person, is that I know <laughs> that 
obviously uh, Brazil is the largest market for Portuguese speaking uh, partners. So if you're like need somebody who can speak to the language and that, like just help with that, mm -hmm. um, you should absolutely be able to submit a ticket or work with somebody. Um, I believe that um, Portugal at the moment just doesn't have a region manager. I'm not too sure if there is a plan to expand into that. Um, but I absolutely uh, understand that like um, that Portugal uh, being in Europe, but having like the, the Portuguese language probably has a much more unique market than just being like another Western European country, another Eastern European country. Um, so uh, if there is a specific issue, I can tell you that there is somebody who does have to like particularly um, help them uh, in, in that region because it's like our European team handles uh, everybody. And if there's not a specific country manager, there's like a couple of people who just like uh, have AP people roll up under them. Um, but I know that that might be frustrating for you. So uh, I can try and find out if there is somebody best fit to answer your question or work with you. That is for sure. Yeah, Torin, definitely reach out to Zach. Probably on, would it be Twitter would be the best Twitter place to reach you? Yes. And your Twitter handle is just at Zachary Diaz. Yes, please. Easy peasy. Um, you're you here volunteering for the job. Well, please <laughs> uh, don't. I, I will say this as a thing. Uh, subject of our talk, but get paid for your work. Uh, just at the end of the day, you should get paid for your work. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Don't volunteer for a big global corporation like mm. Amazon. We got, we got oh my money God. to pay people. Yeah, Amazon <laughs> can pay. Amazon can pay you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Bezos is just ridiculous. Um, I see one about our partnership reviews started when application is received or upon email receipt. For instance, if a receipt was emailed much after the application was submitted, which date sh should a partner applicant be paying attention to? Ooh, okay, that's a good question. So um, the partnership, like the, the review does happen on like a review of the application. So let's say that you submit it today and it's actually reviewed like five days from now or five weeks from now. It's reviewed on that day and everything that's happened since then is taken into account. Um, so I know that that can present a, a little bit of an issue. Um, I also, this is me assuming. I actually don't know this for sure. I can try and follow up with a more uh, a concrete answer, but I would assume that they do take it into consideration. Um, so that can be one particular point is that like, hey, you, you hit your path to partnership um, and you apply and you have this sustained level or sustained growth since then, mm -hmm. that's obviously great. Um, but if you feel like you just hit path to partnership and there might be some inconsistency in your application, maybe you're gonna dip down next week, um, you might wanna wait and see that it's still continuing to trend upwards from there. Um, but I would I would arguably say that like anything that happens between application and review is taken into consideration and that can be both positive and negative. So, you know, in a, in a lovely world, you apply and then you like, double your concurrent viewership and everything is going swimmingly. That would obviously be taken into consideration. Um, but if it halves or it completely drops off or you stop streaming, um, there'd probably be some, huh, why are they not streamed as much since the uh, application was submitted? Absolutely. Uh, we have some people asking about TwitchCon in the UK, over in Ooh. Europe somewhere. Is that a thing that we could see potentially? Um, is it a thing that we could see potentially? Anything is possible. Yeah. Um, realistically, <laughs> uh, realistically, I have honestly I have no idea. Uh, it's a great idea, and I know that. Um, I don't know if you guys had seen this, but we actually just finished a round of what we'd consider like Twitch tours, um, which is where our uh, executive team actually went out to Europe specifically, toured, I want to say it was like five different major European cities. Uh, I think it was like Kiev, Berlin, Stockholm, London. 
think they went to France and maybe one more. Um, and they kind of did these sort of uh, big partner sessions where they worked with a lot of partners, talked about some upcoming um, plans, you know, got some product feedback, all of that. Um, not that it's the same level of TwitchCon, obviously, um, but I think that there was considerable excitement and it was well received. Um, and I know that it would make sense. Um, but I think it's also understanding that uh, putting on an event in another country, in another region, um, is incredibly tough and complex. So I would love to say that, like, yes, absolutely, would love to do it. Um, but whether or not it is uh, happening for sure, uh, you know as much as I do. I do not work on the events team. Uh, the TwitchCon team uh, is particularly, as I think a lot of people would be interested to know that, there's the events team, which sort of, you know, they're the people who help us run E3, PAX, Comic-Con, whatever it might be. TwitchCon is its own team. Like, that's how big of an event it is. So it has its own director, its own sort of content and support and staff people. Um, so yeah, it would, it would, we'd probably need to double the size of that team to make sure Europe is run smoothly. Love it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about us uh, okay so sarah creations remix asked <laughs> asked how were your first content creation slash streaming experiences i'm gonna let you go first on this one and then i'll give mine okay i want to share um, mine too because okay. mine's good it's bad this is actually really funny so if you, if you go to my channel you can actually see i think i have some highlights from back when i did stream uh, i don't stream anymore just because uh, I, I don't have the time to really keep up uh, with it, but um, I used to. So I used to stream Hearthstone and uh, Counter Strike Global Offensive because they're just the games that I played. Um, I used to cast Counter Strike Global Offensive, so I used to cast CS:GO for a collegiate league, um, and uh, I loved it. Uh, it was really interesting to see how like difficult it was. So I went through the trials and tribulations of like nobody viewing me i had to like ask my friends and my family to be the first ones to join me and in, in channel just to get the like first viewer first three viewers whatever it might have been um but then also dealing with all the issues around chat and making sure that it is productive and engaging um and i even had to had to make some of those hard decisions about like hey i think that you as a viewer like i need to moderate your actions i want to make sure that you're um being a, a welcoming positive member of my community so i went through those trials and tribulations mm -hmm. um and then so i streamed i want to say i streamed for about six months um this is way before uh, uh the affiliate program was out so i don't have any experience with that uh unfortunately um but i i loved it i actually really did have a lot of good memories from it um I am now terrified because I'm thinking about the fact that you can see what I looked like two years ago. Uh, so nobody should actually go look at my channel. I'm going to go delete all those highlights. Um, <laughs> but realistically, I good think it was, it was super awesome. Gave me a good insight into what it was like. Um, and uh, basically uh, was, was something that I would say, if you're out there and somebody tells you that streaming is easy or that playing games on stream or doing any of this is easy, um, you can tell them that you know, Zach uh, tells them that they are absolutely wrong. It is not easy. I know the struggle. Uh, and you're all wonderful, beautiful people for committing to it and doing something that you love because it's it's not easy to turn a hobby into a job like that. That's the same lesson that actually happened <laughs> for me, too, is it's so <laughs> incredibly difficult. Like, I started streaming in 2000, late 2013, early 2014. I can't remember, like, the exact nice. time. But yeah. it took me four months to talk to my chat really yes four months i was not a natural at this at all yeah. at all and it took me a long time to get used to like being in front of a camera learning how to to generate engagement how to build a community like and i streamed to 15 people for three years right and i submitted application 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 like i tried and i there was this one point where i went full-time in 2015 i was full-time for like six months i had 
a person like really, really backing me and, and giving me a lot of financial support. So I was able to do that, but I still never really had the viewership. And then one day that person called me on Skype and was like, there will be a lot of people who make it on Twitch, but it's never going to be you. And I was just like, you suck, dude. What? That, that's really hard. Yeah, that's that was really hard to go through. I went through like a lot of depression and I, yeah. I left Twitch for like over a year. But I, I eventually found like business and marketing podcasts. Right. And I started learning about all of these things that go into building a brand and go into into building a community. And we come back and after like, you know, a, a month and a half of streaming again, like we have this amazing space of people that are just absolutely beautiful. And I think that's a huge testament to how important it is to educate yourself about content creation. But also if you just truly love it, like stick with it, yeah. right? Like it can be something that you get better at. It can be, these are skills that you grow. These are skills yes. and things that you learn. You don't have to be a natural at this. There's no, like, I don't believe in the, the idea that it's just not for me. Like aside from you just don't enjoy it. Like you can absolutely learn how to build a community, how to create content that resonates, how to do all of these things that it takes to be a successful streamer. Absolutely. Um, I'm just want to say, I'm sorry that you had to go through screens uh, like that, but what a wonderful story of perseverance and finding the thing that makes you like happy and passionate about it and doubling down on it. Um, I think everybody is going to go through something similar where they get discouraged or they get sort of put off of doing what they love, whether it's streaming on Twitch, making YouTube content, working at a warehouse, like following your passion anywhere um, and figuring out that thing that will motivate you and keep you going forward. Um, even in the, even in the darkest times, whether that's another person, a personal hobby, you know, everybody goes through it. So um, really, really awesome example of, turning something negative into a positive. Oh, thanks, man. I just, <laughs> I just love it. It's, it's, I love that, that it, it can be an example that, you know, people that are struggling right now, right. Don't have to struggle forever. Yeah. So, yeah. um, we have another question from Alice Asylum who asked what sort of advice would either of you give for transitioning from just using Twitch as a platform to branching out your content onto YouTube and other platforms? Yeah. Do you want to start? You go for it. Okay. Um, so obviously as a an expert on any of the other platforms, take this with a grain of salt. But I think one of the things that you should think about is maximizing your time. Uh, so what we, what we tell people is trying to figure out how do you take your Twitch content and utilize it for the other platforms? Um, and in particular, do what the other platforms do really well. So uh, Instagram or Twitter is probably best for, you know, short, less than two minute video content. So maybe like a really quick highlights reel of like the best from your week or your day of streaming. Um, whereas YouTube can be something that's a little bit more um, behind the scenes. It can be longer editorial content. It can be speaking uh, with other members of your community, um, but in a more post-produced fashion. Um, but realistically understanding the, the discovery and um, sort of uh, uh, platform nature of like YouTube has its uh, sort of algorithm successes. Facebook has newsfeed and algorithm successes. Instagram is, I wouldn't even know where to begin on how you sort of work on discovery on that platform. I'm not going to lie. Um, and Twitter is very much a network effect, but how you can take your content um, that does exist on Twitch and be you know successful there, but then also recognizing that 
I mean, I don't know if if splitting up your Twitter content um, into into both Instagram and Snapchat and uh, uh, Facebook is the best thing. You might want to kind of completely pivot and show off like, hey, Twitch is my gaming personality, but YouTube is my business podcast personality or my my vector game. Um, try to understand the, the strengths of each platform and what you can really do uh, with each one is is where I would say you can you can sort of double down. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's, we want to think about this less as you're just focusing on one platform, uh, but definitely as you're building a brand, right? Um, and I see more and more now that it's actually better to stream less and to focus on being in other communities more, as well as creating additional types of content, because that has been incredibly, <laughs> incredibly useful and has has grown a lot of people um, yeah. when they've when they've kind of focused in multiple places. Um, and I think the way that you do that is, is by really deeply connecting with like, what's your value? What's the, what's the reason people watch you and being able to communicate that in like one sentence. Why, why is it that people come to your stream? What is the thing that makes you stand out that makes them want to keep coming back to you? And then how can you take that value and then put it into a different style of content on another platform, keeping in mind that each platform has different, different values and different audiences and different ways to serve your existing audience. So you kind of have to, you have to like use an amount of creativity for this, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exciting. It's exciting. And I think, once again, go back to that point of anybody who tells you content creation is easy, is Mm -hmm. uh, crazy, or they've never done it before because knowing each platform in and out and doing what's best for each platform is a, is a skill in and of itself. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people come to you, Ashley, is because you understand the, the, the diversity of the platforms and why um, some people can be you know successful on uh, Twitch and then how difficult it can be to like sort of pivot that to other platforms. I think that's, that's an expertise that you bring, uh, which is really valuable. Wow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, so nice. <laughs> uh, what was our, what was our other one? We had, uh, oh, okay. So what are some ways to build? Oh, wait, what, what is this? Is the one that got like weird double posted and then chopped in half somehow. So okay. what are some ways to build community outside of streaming, posting to social media or playing with other streamers? Some ways to build community outside of streaming, playing with other content creators, and what was the third? Uh, social media. Social media. That's a that's a tough one. I mean, you're you're cutting out three pretty important ways mm-hmm. of developing a community. Um, I think that because uh, uh, even if it's not just streaming, I would assume that you're kind of saying you know, not creating content. Um, and I think that that's, that's going to be very difficult. Um, is that, you know, do you like not creating content, not being on social media and not playing games with other creators? Um, you've cut out three such like social parts of Mm -hmm. what is content creation and growing a brand and community. The only thing that's kind of left is going to events in a physical space. Um, or I guess, even trying to like get a job in the industry um, and becoming a, a, you know, sort of a, a resident expert in a particular, uh, you know, vocation or category that's relevant um, to this industry. So uh, I, I, cause I, I don't know, but then I wouldn't know how you'd even market that or push that out to people without using something like social media or content creation. Right. Um, 
So I, I think, you know, I think being uh, an in-person valuable friend is um, really important. And I think that especially as you grow as a content creator and as you network, as you become a partner and an influencer, um, being an authentic and uh, reliable like friend is an actual really important part uh, of this. And, you know, I don't mean that as like you have to game it and sort of take advantage of it, but um, you will find that it is way more valuable to be authentic to the people that are there for you. Um, so maybe maybe focus on that and try and figure out how do you do that with like a, a real life meetup or or start something like that for yourself. Mm. Yeah, I like that kind of transitioning your content into more of an IRL situation in your community. Um, yeah. And I think like whenever it comes to to building community in general, this is honestly this is such a deep topic. We can talk about this forever and ever and ever. There are tons of ways to do it, but there are some some things that you absolutely have to have. Um if assuming that you're not like a an esports streamer and you're just naturally really good and that's the value of your content. People just want to come and see you get these sick headshots. But I think yep. like building a community that's based on on your personality and on who you are. Uh, yeah, we can do it with streaming, posting to social media, playing with other streamers. I think it doesn't really matter though the platform that you're using as long as you're looking to uh, genuinely create relationships um, and to genuinely grow and cause these like positive transformations in other people's lives. So there's this really awesome quote. I can't remember who this is from. You might know Zach, but it's you can have your dreams whenever you help others get their dreams. I think it was like Ooh, okay. Tony Robbins or something. Yeah, I don't even know. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So basically, inspirational speaker. Yeah, and I think like yeah. we need we need to think about that as content creators. Growing a community means how can we scale us helping other people achieve their dreams? What does that look like? Uh, it can be with anything, right? It, it can be through entertainment because you're making someone laugh. It can be through inspiring them and motivating them to just start, right? Just start content creation. It can be educating them on how to do it better. or it, And it also can be that relational value that just builds over time. So yeah. I think more people need to think about what are the actual emotions that I'm creating in the people that are watching me. Yeah, exactly. Um, be, a, be a valuable member. Um, be somebody who can, who can be supportive and, and enable <laughs> other um, to do what they want to. And like, again, uh, Twitch is very reciprocative. Uh, reciprocal. Uh, lots of lots of people want to see that returned. So I love that. Uh, Chip Whitehouse asked, "Are there any resources out there to help partners get to go to more conventions through Twitch, or things that you would recommend to help pay to get to these conventions?" Yeah, so that's a that's a really good question. I don't know of any like official programs um, at Twitch that sort of help creators get to conventions or um, the the sort of you know. Uh, speaking circuits, um, but I would I know just from being in like both in, in college um, and as a professional today um, that there are lots of things like grants and sponsorships and um, opportunities that are particularly afforded and reserved for certain uh, initiatives. So I mean I think one of the things that um, maybe some people in this community know about was that Twitch um, worked with the uh, I think it's the A Thousand Dreams Fund, mm -hmm. um, which was uh, there to help uh, female creators um, work with uh, uh, finance something that it was like i can't remember the original mission statement but it was basically get them to pursue a passion that they would otherwise not pursue um and this was particularly in relation to content creation 
Um, so there was a, a little bit of a sponsorship like uh, uh, competition. Um, and it was basically say like, here's a certain amount of money and do whatever you want with it, whether that's go to a convention, go like uh, develop a professional skill, invest in your streaming setup, something like that. Um, but I know that those kind of things work for academic conferences and for gaming conventions, and all these different things. Um, kind of like there are like an untold number of scholarships for college. There are probably uh, dozens, if not uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of those opportunities that would say, hey, uh, especially if it's related to games, you want to be a game developer, you want to do marketing, um, those kind of all exist. Also, I see you getting <laughs> super hyped. They're you can absolutely take a minute. Like, I'm sorry. They're, oh, this is good. This they're is trying good. to break me when we're live, like in an interview. They're, this is good. They just, they love, they love the gift subs so much. And it just, oh, yeah. it, <laughs> Uh, I'm scroll up pretty far to see where like the conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're they're nuts. You guys are nuts. What are you doing? You We're a, trying to be very, professional. Very awesome community. No, Aww, there, there's there's professional and then there's whoops my chat got hyped, <laughs> which is Yeah, I love them. They're so amazing. You guys are crazy. Look at what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Now it's now it's we've like <laughs> yeah. Now they're like, ooh, I'm getting recognized for. It. Yeah, here we go. Exactly. Here we, now we literally just sit here and stare into the camera and. You look at you look at chat. You look back at the camera. Chat. Yeah, this is very good. I see you. Um, I see you, crazy, crazy <laughs> people. I know. Uh, I know. Somebody keeps asking. Somebody's asking about Stream On season two. Uh, nothing is confirmed. Obviously, like we really loved producing Stream On. I think it was a it was a really great success. Um, for, for everybody who participated, I hope it was like useful and valuable to people who got to watch uh, and support as well. Um, studios, uh, you know, really wants to figure out what's the next steps on a lot of different shows and initiatives that they're planning. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I would say if anything, uh, I, I know this is going to sound super like uh, duh, but tweet at Twitch Studios and at Twitch. Um, like, you know, we want stream on season two, um, some kind of social campaign. I think it would be go a really long way towards showing that people want it. Um, if it's valuable for y'all, I think it would go. Ooh, we should definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah, fam. Let's go stream on season <laughs> two. Let's yell about yes. it. <laughs> yes. So, oh, we have another question. Pancakes or Let's waffles? Go. Ooh. Um, so <laughs> this is, there's, there's probably a whole line of these questions that and if you say the wrong thing, you piss off. But I feel very, very powerful, like strongly about this. Um, and I think it's waffles are the only answer because <laughs> yes. they're specifically designed to hold syrup. Like if you're not, why would you go with the inferior pancake model? Like it's not <laughs> syrup. So what are you even doing? It's just kind of like, it's like soggy and sad. And it's like a, a Frisbee versus this like perfectly engineered structure that has little pockets of syrup. Uh, yeah, I really like waffles. W waffles have abs, so yeah. they won't give you abs, Sorry. but they have abs themselves. It's all right. So. It's, a, it's a give and get. You know, <laughs> abs, waffles get them. <laughs> yes, team waffles. We, re we really need to get like a counter in chat so that we can keep up See with yeah, how it. Many, how many goes. Yeah, we love this question. It's just so <laughs> important. Team waffles all the way. <laughs> I'm definitely a waffle person. Uh, Good. Let's see. Good. So we had another one. Where did it go? Uh, partners. Oh my God, Fire Guy, you are going freaking crazy. Good Lord. Ooh, that's so good, Ellen. I love that question. What can Twitch learn from other streaming platforms like Mixer? Ooh, 
Um, I think there's a lot uh, that we can learn, already have learned. So um, I, I know that a lot of people kind of look at the current landscape of live streaming as like, wow, there's Mixer and there's Facebook and there's YouTube, there's Periscope, there's, you know, dozen different platforms. But uh, Twitch was not the first um, live streaming platform. And we've had, you know, other other similar, um, you know, products and, and companies out there that have done live streaming. So if anyone remembers Owned TV, um, there was Azubu, there was Hitbox. Um, so there's a lot of others and it's like mm-hmm. constantly in this space, there are people who are uh, creating and pushing um, the, the sort of limit on what's successful. I mean, I, not, I'm sure that there's still ones that I'm not mentioning like Caffeine and all these others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's understanding that um, e- like, like we talked about earlier where all the platforms are kind of trying to do everything. Um, each of the live streaming platforms is probably focusing on something that totally makes sense for them. Um, and even if I'm just thinking about this in a vacuum as a consumer, it's like, you know, Mixer is a Microsoft uh, live streaming platform or it's like, you know, inherently owned by them. So they probably have a lot of synergies that work really well with Xbox and they can do some really unique things with the technology and the company that no other platform can do. And that's probably really beneficial for them. Um, but I think what we can learn most of all is what is it that uh, we don't do well enough um, because obviously, like other companies are going to produce products, they're going to release things into their ecosystems that sort of benefit their creators. But what are we not paying attention to? What is what is the noise, uh, the signal and noise ratio? Because um, sometimes you know it's like everybody's asking for everything all the time on Twitter and on <laughs> yeah. our like account, everything like that. Um, and I wish I was an engineer and could you know know uh, or do any of this. Um, but there was always this like really common trope uh, back when you know Twitch didn't have name changes, and then it was like cool, we got you name changes, like, we built that product. And then there was a new thing. Everybody wanted, um, you know, sub-gifting. And then we're like, cool, now we do new sub-gifting. Now there's always a new thing. Um, and I think it's understanding that, you know, Mixer is going to produce something like um, they have uh, their, their co-streaming. I know Facebook has that now. Um, and all these other products are coming out. And it's trying to be like, is that really valuable for, you know, the other platform? Even if it is, is it still valuable for us? Maybe it's, it's not really fit in line with our synergies for Amazon or for all these other kind of things. I love that. Uh, Enthusiast has a question for you. How do I bring people that don't understand Twitch? So people in my immediately immediate environment, like my my family or my significant other, uh, to yeah. to understand it or to support it or at least to just accept it. Sure, I think that's a that's a really good question, and that's something like we get conventions, and you know maybe it's a convention like um, Twitch had our first presence at VidCon. Um, and that's a convention that is predominantly known uh, in the YouTube space, but a lot of creators are coming up and being like, what's Twitch and how do we explain it? Um, oh, wow. So I think in one perspective, if you are um, trying to get somebody to understand, like, why would you watch somebody play video games? Uh, there's a really good analogy, which is like, you know, thousands of millions of people right now are watching the World Cup or are watching the NBA Finals or watching, you know, the Super Bowl. Um, people watch people do other things that they are very good at and are very entertaining. Um, and this is no different. And in fact, it's the next evolution of that sort of uh, field because it's interactive. Um, if you could have told me 10 years ago, uh, maybe 15 years ago now, that I could have like watched Kobe Bryant practice when he was on the Lakers every day and then like watched him compete and chat with other people um, on a daily basis, that would have been the most exciting thing that I could have done when I was in high school. I lived in LA, I loved the Lakers. Um, and so I think that's a really uh, good analogy. But then if you're a content creator, um, I think one of the things that, you know, is really important is saying that this is how you share your passion and this is your way of connecting with people. Um, Twitch is a global platform, content creation, streaming is a global um, community. And 
you have probably connected with people who you know live right down the street from you, live on the other side of the world, and it's a really awesome way to share your passion and understand that you know there are other people, other perspectives there. Um, and then realistically, anything in between that, um, you know, there are going to be the people who don't understand it, and that's kind of the case for anything. Um, try and be understanding of their not understanding, if that makes sense, because I can almost guarantee that there's something that you look at where you're like, I don't get that. And it doesn't interest me. Um, and that might be it. They might not like speak down upon it. They might not think it's a negative thing, but they're just like, I have no interest in watching somebody uh, play a video game or cook uh, when I could be doing that myself. It's totally fair and that's totally valid. Um, just like, you know, there are a lot of people who won't go out there and like throw a football around or some people are not good in the kitchen and it just doesn't interest them. So mm-hmm. different strokes for different folks. Totally. I completely agree. Uh, Mercy has a question. Do you recommend doing content at a young age or do hibernate on a hiatus? I almost said hiatus, which does, <laughs> that's not the word at all. And keep developing knowledge until you find the voice and brand you're comfortable with when you get older. Wow. That's a really good question. So, um, Mercy I'll, I'll is you, amazing. Yeah, that's a, it's a, I, I will say I have a particular perspective on this because uh, I just said I grew up in LA. So I actually was, <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this on the internet. I was a childhood actor. Um, what? Commercials. Yeah. I uh, grew up in LA. So of course Hollywood was the thing that we did. Um, so I, I, I like participated in it and I can tell you that I hated it. Um, like I was like six, seven, eight, I was doing commercials. I was reading scripts and I hated it and I quit. Um, while that could have obviously given me this like particular trajectory in life because it was a head start, you know, you get a lot of experience, you get to build a really, really like extensive network when you're younger. Um, I think that there is absolutely something to saying that like growing up, uh, I'm, I'm no so- sociologist, I am no like psychologist, but growing up with the, you know, just, just your friend group, uh, like sort of considering you and evaluating you constantly. Uh, when you're younger can be really stressful. Um, I can only imagine that it's 10x more stressful um, when you are trying to do it online and have a much broader audience. Um, So I would say, much like anything, if you do it with um, some kind of moderation, you do it in a in a balance. Um, it's totally okay. I can tell you that there are there are some people. So uh, to be a you know to have an account on Twitch, you have to be 13 years or older. And there are some people who you know the day that they turned 13, they created their account, they started streaming. Maybe they had an older sibling who was a Twitch streamer, and they got partnered in like a couple of months, and they have like been consistent at it. I remember watching like, a young wow. uh, a young streamer like he wanted to learn how to blacksmith, so he streamed his entire like journeyman apprenticeship of blacksmithing on Twitch. It was something that I don't know if he would have done if he couldn't stream. So it's like there are lots of positive examples. Um, Just remember that, uh, especially while you're developing and you're learning like outside of Twitch or outside of content creation, um, it's okay to go and do those kinds of things too. Um, So do it if it makes sense, if you have like parental, you know, uh, approval and supervision and all that stuff. Um, But don't feel like you're missing out uh, because Look at look at somebody who just started streaming. Like streaming has only been around for ten years, so um, there's there's no really wrong time to start. And we'll make sure to get all of the the links to the commercials that Zach was in. We'll put them in the oh. show notes for this episode so that you guys oh, can see uh, those. Okay. They only exist. They only exist where you cut out for a second on VHS. Sorry, yeah. They only oh exist on no! It's it's not my choice. I, I they're at my parents. I need to go find them and then convert them, but. You know, one day, maybe that's like, maybe we'll make that a sub goal for you one day. Oh my um, God. We can get you, we can get you to a certain sub goal. Uh, we'll release the tapes. 300. Let's you go. You heard it here. We heard it here. 300. Let's 
Go, go team. We can hit that tonight. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be really fun to do. Um, Orsuna asks, what kinds of, in- what kinds of innovation do you see Twitch investing in to bring more content creators to the platform as opposed to switching to Mixer or Facebook gaming? Whoa. Ooh. So I think one of the, I mean, I think we've we've already put one piece of that out there, which is the discoverability uh, updates. Um, so understanding that the way that people both discover and consume content uh, is particularly ingrained in habits is really interesting. I'm not a product manager. I'm not a data science person, but like we'd spoken before, you know, the way that somebody discovers on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram is really important to how they like, you know, kind of stick around on the platform. Um, And that is inherently tied to the sense of community. Um, Because if you're recommending, you know, content to to, uh, audiences, that's part of like, what's going to be an initial experience for that, you know, audience member, and they could become a part of your community. So I think those two go really like closely hand in hand. Um, And if we can figure out the right balance to, you know, growing, uh, you know, smaller creators and still supporting our larger creators, that's actually going to be the kind of um, panacea that's going to be like one of the biggest things that we could do that would solve a lot of problems for creators. Um, And, you know, I think I think every platform, whether it's like a video platform or a social platform um, of of exchange is looking for that, like, what's the perfect way to continue growing and maintain this culture. Um, But I think the other thing is trying to figure out how do we continue to open up um, monetization options for partners, affiliates, um, creators of all sizes, because realistically, at the end of the day, if somebody wants to continue to grow on the platform, they're going to need to be um, incredibly successful uh, in that respect. They're going to need to reinvest in the money. It's a business, all that kind of stuff. So if we can figure out discoverability, that's going to help audiences become communities. And if we can figure out monetization, that's going to help those um, uh, content creators continue to invest in their communities and invest in their content. Um, I don't have the the sort of golden ticket. I don't have the the answer locked away in my brain. Um, But I think those two things are are obviously like what we're going to be focused on uh, for a while, for sure. I love that. Helping people make more money through the things that they love to do. Make more money, grow their audiences, yeah. maintain community. Love it. Uh, <laughs> Luna asked, are there resources for discoverability for creative streamers looking to grow their channels through Twitch? Oh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? It kind of cut out. Yeah, that's my mic. Yay. No. <laughs> <laughs> are there resources for discoverability for creative streamers looking to grow their channels through Twitch? Yeah. So um, realistically, like right now, there there aren't. Um, Creative kind of had the the tagging system mm-hmm. uh, before the rest of Twitch, and now we've we took it away um, to sort of revamp the system. And now, as you probably saw from the blog on Twitch.tv, uh, go to blog.twitch.tv. There's a Trello board that talks about how we're kind of expanding and um, updating our discoverability options. But tagging is specifically something that I think with creative streamers because right now um you know if it, it applies to both creative and irl that those are just too broad of categories uh and that doesn't it, it obviously helps from a like oh we support this as a community but it doesn't help from a uh, curation or discoverability standpoint so figuring out what are the right um, number of tags because there's this like really heavy-handed situation in which if you give too much freedom to tags you can get so specific that once again, sorting by viewership, it ends up all the way at the bottom of the list and nobody actually discovers it. Versus if you're too broad, we see that with IRL and creative where it's like somebody who's doing painting 
you know, physical painting uh, is is probably going to be looking for more of that kind of content versus somebody who's doing um, gunpla or doing like music creation. And those all kind of get lumped together. And it's just not not where we want it. Um, but I would suggest uh, kind of looking at if uh, if you were to stay stay connected with that discovery board, um, thinking about tagging and what you can do right now to be prepared for when tagging comes out. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who takes advantage of it because like anything, it can be gamed, it can be manipulated. And I would hope to say take advantage of it in a positive way, but um, understanding that like the right kinds of taggings and ways in which people can identify and discover content. Um, so what I would do in your mind right now is say, if you were an audience member trying to look for creative content, how would you look at Twitch and maybe look at this upcoming tagging system and how would you discover it and then tailor your content to that? Just like people tailor their YouTube content to algorithm right now and Twitch content creators can tailor it to what game is sort of popular, what content category is popular. Um, if you can plan for what's coming up with the tagging system, I think you know, that'll go a, a very long way. Yeah, that's actually amazing. That's such a huge part of, of content creation, I think, is being able to acknowledge and see like what the the viewer wants and then building your content kind of to fit those expectations from them. Yes. I think that's I think that's gonna be super important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's pretty much it I'm seeing from questions. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. This was just absolutely amazing and I don't want it to end. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you to everyone who showed up in chat and asked questions to everybody who like retweeted. Um, this was an absolutely uh, wonderful experience. Uh, I think um, y'all should be encouraged uh, to, to continue like advocating for the changes that you want to see on the platform, whether it comes from discoverability, content, platform monetization, any of that. Um, but also understand that like you have a really powerful voice in this community and in Twitch as a community as abroad. Um, so continue being awesome and you know good things will come. Zach, thank you so much for spending your time with me with this podcast episode. You dropped some serious knowledge bombs that I think are going to be really, really helpful for everyone that has listened to this. So thank you so much for that. As a reminder, if you all want to reach Zach, you can reach him at Zachary Diaz on Twitter. You can reach me at Ashney Christ on Twitter as well. And come and hang out with us whenever we live stream these podcast episodes. So we are live Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. We're never late and we never miss a stream. So come and hang out and we would love to have you there. If you haven't subscribed to the show already, make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Stream Coach Podcast. See you next week.